What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. I destroyed and conquered. I killed and maimed. Now, I choose to create. Kevin, my man. How are you doing tonight, man? Good, brother. How you been? I've been good, dude. It's it's honestly an honor and a privilege for you to take a time to take the time out of your family life and what you got going on back east to sit down and discuss with me your life and your hunting and and your experience in the military. I'm beyond appreciative uh-huh. of it. You know, I've uh, I've been looking forward to this for months. <laughs> I know, right? Seriously. Dude, family of five kids running around the house, one in college. It's it's tough to get a minute. So no, it's uh, it's long. I've been long waiting for this as well, just to talk to you in the first place. But right? <laughs> um, this is a bonus. So yeah, it's getting me catching. But no, it's crazy. You're saying back east, man, it is so good. It's so good. Yeah. To be where we are right now. Right. It's amazing. That's awesome. All right. What's up, everybody? And welcome to the Legion OST DIY Outdoors podcast. Today is a, is a great guest guest and a great friend of mine, Kevin Treader. Kevin, I said it's an honor and a privilege. You know, thank you so much. Um, I deeply, deeply appreciate it. Uh, so tell us about yourself, man. Who are you? You know, you were originally from California. Now you're in Nebraska. You know, how's things going? Tell us about yourself. Right. Well, just first disclaimer, I'm not from California. So (laughs) I I was stationed there for my last rodeo. But um, I mean, long story short, like born in Chicago, my parents moved to Western New York when I was uh, 10. Mm -hmm. Uh, Went to high school, college up there and then uh, joined the army when I was uh, 19 years old, I think back in 1994. Yeah. So, um, during the army ended up, uh, I was a combat engineer, 12 Bravo, uh, airborne qualified, went straight to Fort Bragg out of jump school. And 19 years later I left. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, it was kind of one of those things. It was, uh, the army, it's that itch, you know, if you have it, you need to scratch it. Yeah. Um, and you know, from the time I was a kid, you know, I grew up on my, my grandfather's war stories from World War II. He was a, a Carlson Raider uh, with the Marine Corps. He was at Pearl Harbor when his bombs fought throughout the islands. You know, so you you know you grew up listening to those kind of stories. Um, you know, and, and, and they were raw and, and gritty, but at the same time, um, you know, you find inspiration in in, in, in it. And uh, glorious. So I got American. to the point. Oh no, no absolutely. You know, and, and that's kind of like. I don't know how to put it. You know, it's it's a pretty unique opportunity to share, though, for him being at Pearl Harbor when the United States of America was attacked mm-hmm. and then me being on a special for- forces detachment when the United States of America was attacked. So having the ability to truly be part of the war effort when it w- was righteous and just and, and everything made sense was yeah. was an incredible honor, you know. And, now, what and, you're um, referencing, that, that was when 9-11 happened, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. So, I mean, um, 
Yeah, so, you know, join their army, and, and I think, like, a lot of kids out there, dude, I, I thought everyone was freaking John Rambo, you know? Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that I was going to be scrubbing shitters and mowing lawns for <laughs> eight hours a day. Um, and the regular army sucked, dude. It was horrible, you know? But at the same time, you know, um, I'm one of those guys where— there wasn't much going on, really, was there? Oh, no, dude. I came in under the Clinton administration. I didn't think we had toilet paper half the time. Yeah. Um. You know, it was a lot of training missions. We did some construction missions down in uh, Costa Rica and Jamaica. And, um, you know, we had some good trips, you know, as a Joe. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, I went Special Forces that we really, I, I personally really started doing some work. What year did you, um, you start? What year did you get into Special Forces? Uh, I, I went through the Q course in 90, I started in 97, graduated in 98. Mm hmm. Um, Basically, as soon as I made the minimum or met the minimum requirements as far as rank and time in service, you know, I went for my walk and I was selected, uh, went through the special forces qualifications uh, course to become a 18 Charlie, which is a engineer. Um, and the term engineer in my world is a little bit different. We just break shit more than build shit. You know, uh, we're trained in demolitions and sabotage and and some pretty sexy shit. You know, yeah. it was it was it was. It was like being in the third grade with guns, man. Really? Um, yeah. And so I, you know, I graduated the Q course and uh, was assigned to Third Special Forces Group in '98, and that's Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Um, and right then, you know, back then, I think the African Crisis Response Initiative was a big deal. So we did some training uh, missions in in Western Africa, mm -hmm. uh, Benin, uh, Senegal, Nigeria. Ghana, and I think a couple places in between. Um, just an amazing, amazing uh, opportunity. You know, just a, a pretty cool time. What was that? To be a like? part of it, but yet. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, just an amazing time. Also, where so our sister battalion, third battalion, which was uh, they covered down on uh, South Africa. You know, they were in uh, Tanzania when the embassy was bombed by Bin Laden. Oh. Um, you know, so we start, we saw the, the percolation of the war on terror brewing. Yeah. Um, we were, you know, we had some, you know, and again, it's, it's not like the movies or anything. We were, we were truly there on training missions, not like they are today. Um, and our hands were tied, you know, we, we could barely provide force protection for our own guys, let alone save the world from fucking some big terrorists, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it, but at the end of the day, it was the, that was the culmination effort where I had some really solid leadership early on. Um, we trained our asses off, you know, had some good schools in between and then just kind of, you know, um, you know, fate became what it was when the towers went down. We just happened to be the most prepared, I think, any detachment could ever be yeah. uh, to go to war. So when you were getting trained, the guys who were training you, they were like desert storm and and stuff like that they'd been around uh, some of them mm -hmm. yeah some of them you know um there were a couple fifth group guys you know triple nickel was a big team back in the day they were the guys that were compromised in the hide site mm -hmm. um but you know and, and i'm not not to take away from anyone's experience it, it was just the fight that was coming was nothing like the fight that anyone had seen before yeah um you know even you know, or, or Vietnam era guys, they've been in some shit and, and, uh, 
and I'm not going to take anything away from any of them, but you know that that's about the gap in in, in space and time since you know special the the guys in the special forces regiment had seen some real fighting as yeah. as a whole. Uh, you know, so but you know again, it's it's kind of like going back to the stories of my grandfather. You know, I think a lot of us were inspired to go the route we were. Um, you know, off of reading you know Mac V Sog books, you know, from Vietnam and and you know different stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we were familiar the characters uh, in the organization uh, had some legends as instructors, Ernie Tabata, Pappy Jones, um, just some amazing people that, that did, you know, uh, push us through the Q course and, and, and had some amazing training uh, for us, but not just the training their you know, their insight, uh, mm-hmm. what they shared with us. We all were able to put that into, you know, real world applications once we went to war. So, what was the Q course like? I mean, as far as like intensity, emotional intensity, mental toughness, you know, kind of break that down yeah, if I you s- can. This is where I'm kind of an asshole, man, where yeah. I didn't think it was very hard. Um, <laughs> you know, but but I wasn't an honor grad. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, it, it's just like anything in life. It's as hard as you make it. Yeah. Um, the big thing for me, what I've shared with some people along the way is that, you know, at, at the end of the day, it was... You know, to be it, you have to believe it, you know, and, and in order to believe it, you have to see it. Yeah. So it's it's that mindset to where this is just who I am and this is what I'm going to do to, to get to where I need to be. Yeah. Um, you know, so Visualize the hardest the days success. were some of the best days. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and I think that, that that mental, you know, again, just trying, you know, kind of flipping the switch and finding a nice, nice, nice comfy chair to kind of ride out a hard spot in. Um is, is really where a lot of the guys in the organization, um, you know, that, I think that's one commonality we all have. Yeah. Um, and I don't, you would call that, you know, someone will probably coin it and put it on a t-shirt next week, but <laughs> that's what it was, you know? <laughs> no, but, but, but at the same time, like for me again, man, it was just like, it was fun. You know, it was a good time. It was, uh, you know, aggressive mindsets. Everyone was competing with each other. Yeah. Um, just kind of, you know, grinding forward and driving that train. Um, and I loved it. You know, for me, I, you know, I grew up and I grew up wrestling and I played lacrosse, you know, in high school and in college. And, and uh, sure, already I, athletic. That, oh, yeah. So I, that's that that that's what I missed. Um, I was really honestly, I hate to say this, but I was kind of disappointed when I when I first came in the army because I was like, it wasn't what I was expecting. You know, I. Again, I, I didn't come from a military family per se. The last guy to serve was World War II. Yeah. Um, as far as you know, both sides of the family, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, all that good shit. So I walked into it blind, and my only reference was, you know, full metal jacket. You know, so <laughs> I thought I was going to get the shit kicked out of me by some little drill sergeant every day. And you know, we got there, and you know, every time it got hot, you had to roll your pants and sit down in the shade for 20 minutes. So yeah. it was. Um, it was kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, gay, <laughs> but, but at the same time, um, you gravitate towards like-minded people, yeah. um, and, and you make the most of it, you know? Yeah. Um, and th- you know, don't get me wrong, man. Like this is the same shit I warned my son about when, when he enlisted, you know? And I was like, Hey, like, don't look at me different, man. Cause like, if you think basic training is hard, something's wrong with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but but at the same time, again, not to take away from anyone else that like you know because you know that's the biggest thing with the army is that 
we all come from different backgrounds and different uh, walks of life. Yeah. And for some folks, man, that that's the first time they've ever been challenged. Well, different level you know? of mental toughness based on circumstances. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, it, it comes down to the individual's uh, resiliency, you know, and, and if it's just another day, it's just another day. Yeah. Um, you know, for some folks, it was a little bit more challenging. And like I said, I don't want to be a complete asshole, but, you know. Well, it's like you said, man, you just grabbed the chair, you found your comfy spot, your niche, and you just dove right in and did it. Right, right, right. You know, and it's, it is what it is. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, but it was fun. You know, it's, it's one of those things I look back and, and um, I still stay in touch with a couple guys I went through basic with. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, as I said before, I mean, some of the hardest times are the best of times, you know, and, yeah. and it really brings close together. And that's the one thing that I really miss. Um, you know, since retiring from the military, I miss the people, the brotherhood. Um, oh, dude, it's just it, amazing. Amazing. Again, I, I was probably the next, I mean, I, I think it was better than being a professional athlete because a professional athlete's longevity is, is much shorter than ours. You know, I had, but I had 22 years of living in a fucking locker room, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like two years of just you know throwing my body against the wall and crushing it every freaking day nonstop, and, and just trying to be not necessarily better than the people around me but to be as good as the people around me you know like i was very fortunate in serving with some of the best americans you can imagine yeah, you know i mean just i can't i can't even imagine what that'd be like it was cool though you know and, and again it's it's humbling in the sense to really look back and just be like man i worked my ass off just to be average, you know, just to be, be somewhere in the middle, man. Cause yeah. you know, like the dudes up front, you know, like I tried, but holy shit, man, like they're <laughs> a little bit too studly for me. Yeah. Um, the dudes in the back, I needed someone to talk shit to, you know, so I wasn't going to be that guy either, but, but it was cool. It was a revolving door to the front though. You know, everyone had their day and everyone had their moment. And, uh, we all kind of, again, drove that train forward together and it, it was an amazing, uh, lifestyle and amazing uh time you know and it's just really cool to to think i was a part of it you know yeah so you were talking about you know when 9-11 happened so you'd been in sf for three three years at that point four years at that point your math is good I'm, yeah I'm hoping, three years man. i think public three school years. dude i'm hoping <laughs> I'm counting, counting my fingers right now, so you're good. <laughs> yeah, it was about three years, some change, you know. And um, dude, it's crazy because I'm—I mean, I'm a—I'm a day away from being a cornflake. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget—I forget a lot of shit, but yeah. like I can remember that. Like it was—it happened today, you know. So just what was that like? Go through know, we, that. I mean, if you're willing to, you know, go go through that. Oh yeah, no, it was um, honestly like I think. That was maybe the first time I really, truly felt fear, mm-hmm. the unknown. You know, being in my team room, just finishing, you know, we worked out, had a big five-mile run or whatever it was, and drinking coffee, bullshit, and talking shit, turn on the news. And there um, I just got back. Yeah, I was in, still in my towel walking back from the shower, and I watched the plane hit, and dude, all I could think, man, is I got Noah, my oldest boy, mm-hmm. was home. You know, I got 13 miles of ground between us. They're already locking down the gates. I'm a soldier. The priorities service. The priorities our country. But you know, for me, first and foremost, I'm I'm a dad. You know. Yeah. Um, but the un- unknown of as far as 
what was coming and what was expected. And I mean, it was kind of crazy for a while, man. Like I'm talking, you know, um, before the towers went down, uh, Fort Bragg was uh, what they called an open post. There were no checkpoints or gates or, um, you know, access control or anything like that. It was just kind of like, you know, free reign for anyone that lived around there or wanted to drive through and see the sights. So they were scrambling to get guys with guns and gun trucks up to every freaking gate and every intersection, um, you know, locking us down and so on and so forth. Phone systems. I mean, it's crazy to think about, you know, internet was overloaded type of shit. You know, you couldn't get in touch with anyone. Yeah, cell um, phones weren't really cellular, that much of a thing. Yeah, no, they, they couldn't handle it, you know. And, and so everything's shutting down and then you see the second attack and at the Pentagon and then you see, you know, the the plane in Pennsylvania that crashed and um, you know it, it just again that was like all right here we go you know and it went from kind of this this sensation of you know fear and horror not necessarily of what would happen to me but you know my family uh, to you know let's let's fucking get it on you know yeah. and we were already at that time we just got home from uh, Africa I just finished the sniper course the special operations target interdiction course. Uh, we did some shooting training, um, some advanced urban combat, stuff like that. So, again, I mean, there could not have been a better point in time to where the detachment I was a part of was ready to go. And um, we we, uh, we had a – we were already on the books. We, we deployed to Desert Springs in Kuwait, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a, you know, a mission that was left over from Desert One or the first Desert Storm, excuse yeah. me, or whatever they call it now. Um, and so we maximized that time to just train and lift and, and again, just get as prepared as someone could get. And then we were the, for third special forces for the, for the war, we were the second lift in. And then my detachment was the first detachment to be combat deployed for second battalion, third special forces group. And that was ODA at the time we were three, four, two. Um, and I'm still great friends with everyone there and, uh, you know, and it, and again, very fortunate in the sense to where, you know, I can get on social media now and see that all of them are retired, all of them are home safe with their, their wives and kids, and you know, it's um, again, very unique in that sense where, because we took some heavy hits over the years, you know, yeah. and um, we all lost some good friends, we lost some amazing people, um, but again, it was it's kind of one of those things, you know, it's it's always your first love type of shit, you know, and. And that, you know, with my first team, we, we really kind of kept tabs on each other and, and uh, you know, just kind of looked out for each other. Yeah. So what do you think but, the, the most beneficial thing that the Army, you know, up to this point and then, you know, getting deployed, what was the what was some of the most beneficial stuff that the Army had taught you? Um, again, it wasn't necessarily the Army ever, if you if you know, um, Ranger school was a good thing. You know, I went to ranger school and I was able to put, um, you know, kind of stressful leadership situations into play, you know, and, and uh, a lot of things that, you know, towards the end of the day or end of my time in, you took for granted, but at the same time, uh, life-saving, you know, just yeah, something as simple as, you know, priorities of work in a patrol base because no shit there I was on the Pakistani border, um, you know, running patrol base operations, getting into gunfights with, Saudi nationals coming over the border, you know, it yeah. was, it was pretty wild. Um, you know, so ranger school was, was a great asset. 
but honestly, man, it, it comes down and, and, and it always will for me, the individuals that I was surrounded with, mm-hmm. um, really had a, a, you know, kind of a, a very strict regiment when it came to training. Um, you know, we were always, you know, kind of first ones out, last ones in mm-hmm. and when, it, you know, for the ranges, for runs, working out, um, you know, just great people, um, amazing team sergeant right off the bat, student named Rusty, uh, awesome team leader, dude named Hunter, um, you know, just again, just kind of the way that, you know, the sticks fell, it, it just, everything laid out perfectly. Um, but you know, again, when it comes to the army stuff, it was kind of like, you know, I grew up hunting yeah. so I knew how to shoot before I came in. Same with like sniper school. Well, I grew up stalking deer and knew how to walk <laughs> through the woods and did all right there, you know, um, so for me, it was just kind of, it was an extension of a lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and then at the same time, it was free ammo. You know? Right. So, Crossover application uh, too, for sure. Yeah. No, so I loved it, man. You know, but it's one of those things that, and kind of with my son too, I warned him of it because like, dude, the, the, the stars have to align perfectly. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of times you hear about just kind of falling into these environments with you know, toxic leadership, and it doesn't take many in, in anything, whether it's military or real life um, or the private sector, excuse me, to really rock that boat and disrupt the kind of flow. And, and again, I was lucky, very fortunate to be with the people I was around. You yeah. Know? Uh, so what was it like climbing through the ranks of special forces? And it was, it was cool. You know, it's one of those things, like, at the end of the day, like, I, you know, I was a master sergeant, a E8, and I had no idea how I got promoted. So uh, I just, I, I like the challenges. I'm a very goal-oriented person. Uh, so I've always had kind of these these short-term goals just stacked up, man. And I kept just going after them, going after them, going after them. And along the way, because of performance, because of, you know, um, you know I think who I was, who I am, um, the, the rank and the promotions just kind of came naturally, you know, uh-huh. where there's there's and just like anywhere you know you got the, the folks that need to check the block and they tell you about doing this at this time and this at that time well i was very counter to that culture and kind of not necessarily did my own thing but i did what made sense to the to my team you know yeah um and again you have to think about it this was a world before you could google search anything about special forces i mean it was it's classified now but it, it was very classified then you know so um, a lot of us, we might've had one or two friends in the regiment, but no one really had an idea of what they were getting into until they got there. Yeah. Um, and so once I got there, I was like a kid in the candy store, you know, it's like, holy shit, I can do this and holy shit, I can do that. And yeah, I'm going to go. And it was fun, you know, and I went to, um, after our first trip to, or maybe it was before our first trip, I forget when I went to a uh, selection for, um, uh, I don't know what you would call it, you know, but Chuck Norris made a movie after them. But I went to selection for those guys, right? Yeah. Uh, used to the guys. And I, you know, I, I walked my 40 miles, got lost. I failed to meet time standard type shit. And um, I wanted to go back and I ended up going back as a heavy breacher. And, and that was a pretty good ride. Um, but at the end of the day, again, I'm, I'm um, you know, I'm, I'm I kind of like being, uh, I like being on the teams. I, li- I really enjoyed my times on uh, the special forces attachments. And so I went back to third group and, and I'm, I'm kind of all over the place. I'm sorry. So No, dude, that's fine. Where that's, are we? 
Absolutely fine. Be anywhere you want to be, man. Right on. I'm in Nebraska, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right. So how would you say, Crazy. I mean, has that, has have all those skills helped you, you know, I mean, obviously we'll go back into your time in the service, but has that helped you since coming out of the service? Um, yes and no. I mean, again, I think the, the mindset and the drive is the same. It's just what you apply it to. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm one of those guys where I'm, I'm going to stumble, I'm going to trip, I'm going to fall, but I'm not going to fucking stop. Yeah. Um, or failures and, are the and, biggest and, lessons, man, for sure. No. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You yeah. know, and I'm not, I'm afraid to fail, you know, I, I mean, you know, and again, I, I don't, um, it's kind of cool to look back at your life and be able to see kind of the, the footprints of where you've been and where you could have gone, but yet at the same time, they all lead back to the X right now, you know? Yeah. Um, so right, wrong, different. I am exactly where I should be, you yeah. know? Um, and I'll take that, you know, and, and that, that's a, that's a powerful thing, you know, as far as like, Again, I, I, I truly believe, and maybe I've been bumped on the head one too many times, <laughs> but I truly believe my mindset that I can manifest reality to a certain extent. Yeah. You know? um, I can't stop fate and whatever plans baby Jesus has for me. For sure. But I can be exactly who I picture and who I vision. And, and I know that, again, like, dude, like, you know, for Warrior Woven, like, mm -hmm. I might not be exactly where I want to be right now, but at the same time, I look back and it's like, Motherfucker, I was a green beret. Yeah. You know, like I can do anything. Yeah. And it sounds cocky when you say it out loud. And again, this is my inside voice, but at the same time, it's that mindset, man, to where like you have to believe in order to achieve. Yeah. Um, well, do, and, you know? and let's talk and, about that too. Cause I mean, to me, that's not like that. I don't think that's cocky for you to say at all. You know what I mean? It, like f I can't relate to having served in the military at all because I never did. You know, but I can relate to like where I was in life and where I've come from and the hell that I had to walk through to get to where I'm at today. You know what I mean? And 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 take pride in that and not being cocky about it, but just being matter of fact and frank with myself. You know, like like you were saying, it's internal conversation, you know, but that's mm -hmm. absolutely 100 percent. You know, I agree with that completely. Right. And well, that's on the meanies. That's the fighter to fighter, you know, and the the. the quick assumption for a lot of people is that, oh, it's the military. And it's like, no, dude, like the military was just what I did. It's not what made me who I am. Yeah. You know, and exactly what you're saying, it's, it's the hardships, the trials, the tribulations. It's what I've accomplished and what I've conquered and what I've overcame mm -hmm. to be to where I am today, you know, and that's the commonality between all of us. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, for the folks that if you get it, you get it, you know, not much more needs to be said. Yeah. Um, this isn't something you can really bottle up and put into a lecture series and sell. <laughs> this is just the way we are, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, but well, I dig it. Sorry, go it's ahead. cool to share on that level. No, I, I'm just saying it's, it's really cool to connect and share on that level, you know, well, because you, like. Go ahead. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. Oh, no, no, dude. I'm just, I'm just it's exciting, right? Yeah. Um. Dude, like, again, like you and I, man. Like, yeah, that's right where yeah. I was going to go. We can, I can, you, you can, we can be on the same fucking plane and it doesn't matter if I was in a helicopter crash or you were jumping off a fucking second story building trying to run away from the cops or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> it, it's, it's, fine. but you know, it's, it's pretty amazing though to where like, because of the mindset, you and I are the fucking same dude, yeah. you know, like. 
and, and it's no different. And th- this is what I try to get across to some people to where, like, I just told myself I wasn't going to quit. I was going to be that. And I became that, you yeah. know, and it's no different than anyone else that, that establishes a goal and a path forward for themselves in life, you know. Yeah. It's Never all relative. Quit, man. I, I, totally. I'm, exactly. And like what you were saying, <clears throat> excuse me, um, when you and I first connected, it was like, I remember the first time that we met in in person at the gas station <clears throat> to the second time we met up at uh, that brewery out there. The levels to me we connected on was just like, that that mentality of never quit not going to give up we can do anything no matter what the circumstances we can overcome everything you know absolutely and that was yep. you know that was it's ridiculous not in a bad way you know right. but um okay so getting back on track uh, <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> let's get off on tangents uh, are there any well, stories? I heard that's a hard thing. What's that? I mean, there's a lot of stories. Was, is there any that's stories it. you can talk about working inside communities in the Middle East and you know, kind of what was going on out there? Or I don't, you know, I don't know what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. So I, I'm tiptoeing. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, I just don't know what to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I've had, I, I ran the full gamut. You know, that's yeah. the big thing is. You know, everything from straight unconventional warfare to direct action to um, sniper interdiction missions to to ambushes to raids to close quarter combat to to ha- jumping out of airplanes, halo, hayhoes. Yeah. Um, what was I, that like? I did it all. It was fun. You know, it was a good time. Um, it was work. You know, the army has a way of kind of destroying everything. Um, you know, you can go down, you can be 300 pounds and go to Jamaica and become a patty diver, you know, but like you go to fucking freaking buds or, you know, scuba school or CDQC for the army and they try to drown you and it's horrible. Oh God. Um, I never went to dive school, I went to pre-scuba twice. Yeah. And I said that with that, so I decided to, you know, try to go the halo route and I did much better with that. Mm-hmm. I like my oxygen. So, yeah. um, but no, it's cool. Again, it, it, you know, at the end of the day, it was exactly what we're talking about. It was a goal. It was a challenge and, um, something that, you know, I wanted to continue to test myself and I was never, um, quite fulfilled. You know, it was never enough. And I, I kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. Um, well, yeah, you know, and I, I think at the end of the day, I think when I retired, you know, I was on jump status for over 20 years, um, over 100 static line jumps, over 300 military free fall jumps, or yeah, 300, I think. Yeah, over 300. I forget the exact number. Mm-hmm. Um, never jumped into combat or anything sexy like that, but, you know, trained our asses off and, and did some pretty cool shit. Yeah. Um, you know, and again, it was just, it, it was it was fun. You know, for me, it was, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard to look back and even imagine it's over, you know, because I'm kind of bored i didn't realize how much of my life was a hobby you know yeah um you paid the piper when you went down range that that was a little bit different you know you you, you earned your keep if you will yeah uh both time away from your family and um you know the different situations that we found ourselves in well um but you came back you kind of shrugged it off and got going again you know so let's talk about that what was what was deployment like 
because you have five kids. Yeah. You know, and there are obviously well, various events. Was What's that? They're, they're all born in December. They're all born in December, so that could tell you what my rips were, what my <laughs> deployment schedule was like. I'd come home and I was popular. We'd make a baby and then I'd leave again. Yeah. Um, but no, it was it was hard, man. You know, and that's where, like, especially now, I think being a little bit older yeah. and, and truly understanding the speed of life, you know, just, I mean, we're not much different than the mayfly as far as the time that we have on this earth, you know, and again, initially when the war was going on, it was right. It was justice justified. And, you know, I could look at my child and, and, and say to myself that I'm making a difference and, and, uh, and it's worth it, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you, for me, I hit some times towards the middle where I was just, I was more comfortable and going to war than I was being home. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was just there for the fight and it didn't matter who that fight was going to be with. Yeah. You know, and then when I was home, I was just, you know, standing in my garage, packing my shit, waiting to go uh, on the next trip. Going back. Um, and that's what I look back now and really get frustrated with. I don't know what the right term would be. You know, it's, um, you know, I think that's where a lot of us kind of find ourselves in these ruts where yeah. it's like, holy shit, man, you know, just especially with children, you know, just, um, I mean, dude, you miss a day and it's not like you're ever going to get any of that back, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and so when people thank me for my sacrifice, which I think is just one of those things that they say when they're uncomfortable, I'm not really sure Yeah. what it means. At the same time, I get it now, you know, I mean, I wasn't, I got all my toes and fingers, you know, I got all my limbs. I've been banged up a couple of times, but I'm still able to move around. But man, like Your missing time. out on that time family was you know it's hard um it's crazy you know like dude like the last couple years like seeing my kid walk and shit like being home (laughs) as you're watching your children formulate speech it's insanity you know and and uh when i retired you know at least went back to school and i was a stay-at-home dad Mm -hmm. and dude like i apologized to her every day for ever coming home and cracking a fucking beer and thinking i had such a hard day at work because like what moms do at home, what they do for our fucking families, yeah. what that does for our fucking nation is Building like insane. Dude. Oh, dude. But like yoga pants weren't going to do anything for me, but I wanted to fucking be drunk every day. That's for sure. You know, like, yeah, I, I again, like I did it and I love my kids, but there's no freaking I'd rather go to combat than be home or stay at home fucking mom. You know, like, yeah, com- I shouldn't say I'd rather go to combat. But combat was easier than being a stay-at-home dad. Yeah. You know? And well, I love my kids. Don't get me wrong. That yeah, was crazy, dude. For sure. <laughs> what was it What was it like for Alicia? I mean, you know, coming and going. Oh, she's a tough chick, you know? I mean, I, mean, I, I mean, I know she's a tough chick for sure. And, you know, we can get definitely talk about some of that stuff. Yeah. You know? But No, but I think that's where a lot of us had success on the career side of it because we had such a strong uh, partner at home you know Uh, and she was amazing dude I mean she first the first time I got banged up she just finished uh, chemotherapy yeah so she was you know because she had a 90 pound cancer yeah breast cancer yeah and as soon as she was cleared I fucking said hey I'm going you know I got you here you're good yeah cool see you in 90 days or whatever the rips were back then. And 
I got a little banged up and came home and Alicia's picking me up from the, the hospital, you know, mm-hmm. uh, no eyelashes, no eyebrows, hair's not even growing back yet. And the doctors are looking at her like, who the hell's taking care of you? Yeah. Um, but again, it's the mindset, dude. It's just that, that didn't slow her down. And you know, it, I wasn't about to bitch about my bumps and bruises when I had her by my side, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's tough and you see that, but you see the stress on the families, you see it with the kids. Um, it, you know, it's hard again, we're, we're, we're at a time in, in our life with the world to where, you know, it's almost like too much information's out there, you know, and, and it's hard to kind of filter through what's, what's fact or fiction anymore, you know? Yeah. And so when you see the shenanigans and the bullshit and you see the politics and, at the end of the day, it's like, dude, we're 17 years of running and gunning. Um, you know, it's it's hard not to to sit there and be like, what the fuck did I do? You know, yeah. um, you know, I don't regret it in the sense to where I I, I think service to our nation is is a is a privilege. It's, it was amazing to be a part of it, but I, I definitely fucking question uh, the direction we're going. You know, and why we're going that way. You mm-hmm. know. And uh, same conversation I had with Noah when he enlisted, you know, I asked him why he wanted to serve. And he's like, you know, I'm a patriot, you know, September 11th, you know, I remember that. And I was like, well, Noah, like you remembering September 11th and using that as a reason to join the army is not much different than someone from Pearl Harbor using, you know, I'm saying using that as an excuse to go join and fight in the Vietnam War. Yeah. It has nothing to do with that anymore. I mean, we're so... Far beyond it the media will continue to spin it in, in such a way but i mean it's you know i think again once you get there and you see behind the curtains you start realizing it's it's uh it's its own you know economy it's it's uh you know billion dollar industry and, and the war machine is alive and well you know yeah um but that's my not, that's me again and i'm not anti-war or anti-soldier or any of that shit i'm just kind of you know Dude, that did 22 years and you're retired too many now. trips. I know, right? You could be a grandpa, dude. My <laughs> fucking kid. So, check this out. I go to pick up Leo at freaking preschool, right? Uh-huh. And this little girl, they are, you know, little. I mean, dude, like, again, the population of the town I live in is 198. That's so, there's like six kids at the preschool. And this little girl comes out and she's like, hey, someone's grandpa's here. Oh, no, she didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. He w- But I so, could. I mean, my. Um, go ahead. I was, no, 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 no. Go ahead. You first. I was just going to say, I mean, I made my mother a grandmother when she, she was my age, so I uh-huh. could, but. So. No, was a better kid than I was. Leo was, he was the one when I came over and we had that barbecue. He was like out in the backyard right. running around like a maniac. Yes. Right? Yes. I'm, yeah. He, he is. God he crushed me, dude. Kid. He won. He is amazing. Yeah. Well, dude, he had like three sets of stitches in freaking a month, man. Like, no way. I, I, I remember yeah, you sending me pictures I, when that was happening. Yeah, they were big gashes too. Like one, he kind of did a nosedive down the stairs, split open his forehead. The other one, he fell out of his bed at night and cracked it on the side of a bed. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, he was at the zoo and, you know, running on a, a curb and tripped and fell. And 
dude, I just, I mean, honestly, like, and that's what I'm saying, like, you know, hats off to all the moms out there that are like, we're there. A stay at home parent is more like a prison warden, dude. Like mm -hmm. you cannot leave those shits alone in this, in a room, you know, like I wanted to bubble wrap them, dude, you know, just like I, I, I couldn't turn around without thinking that my son was going to be like diving off, you know, the balcony onto the couch or some crazy shit. You know? Yeah. And, that was a steep he drop did one too. Yeah, dude. Like he slid down that banister one time, and he he was three years old, dude. Yeah. So yeah, again, it's like, dude, I'm the hunter gatherer, and and the hugs and kisses need to come from mom because I am like, I need a nap. Yeah. So. Right. So. But it's cool now. I mean, it's 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 cool now that Alicia's home. She's done with school, and it's both of us, and and we're in a really good groove, man. And life's good. Life is very good. So what's it like with your son being? enlisted um well again it's good in the sense to where i think noah has a very uh unique perspective of service through me right yeah. to where i'm not i'm not about feeding the machine and i'm i'm more about individuals uh defining their own service rather than having the military define it for them yeah um and there's probably be a bunch of marine corps guys that are going to scream at me for that mm -hmm. but I, I truly believe that you know and I'm saying this in a very productive manner to where you have to make it work for you. You know, yeah. um, if you go in there and, and, and it does what it's told to do, well, then you really haven't gained anything from that. But if you're a critical thinker and you can kind of move a little bit and shift yourself around and find avenues that are more advantageous for you, then go for it. And, and that's where Noah came in, in the sense to where when he first enlisted, he was a infantryman, 11 Bravo. Mm hmm and the conversation we had with that is like, so, you know, when you close your eyes, when you think of someone in uniform, what do you think of? What, I mean, what do you, what do you imagine your daily functions being? Right. Um, and Noah was kind of in a hard spot because like Noah grew up with me as a green beret. Yeah. So that's how I always thought service was not understanding what you had to go through to get to that point, you yeah. know? And so basically what Noah laid out to me was a life of infantrymen, infantrymen. And it's a shitty life. You work your ass off, but you train your ass off and you're around some good people. And that's kind of the epitome for most so soldiers as what, you know, um, soldiering is, if you will. Right. Yeah. It's not sitting behind the desk or working in the kitchen. It, it's no shit getting out there training, shooting your gun, going out for bad guys, doing all that good stuff. So um, Noah enlisted as 11 Bravo. Mm -hmm. And then he's, you know, again, where Noah was different for me, he wanted to go active duty. Um, but Noah was a very good student in school, a uh, very gifted musician. And I was like, hey, man, well, let's, you know, try this National Guard thing. You're still serving our country. You're still doing some great things for yourself. Um, but, you know, let's front load your ed education before you, you know, go full retard and drink the Kool-Aid type shit. <laughs> You know, and uh, yeah. so and it turned out to work for him. You know, to where Noah's at the University of Oregon now. Yeah, he's a senior. Music composition was his ma or is his major. He's 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 actually traveling all around Europe right now, but he'll be back soon. And then he's interviewing for his uh, postgraduate studies. That's amazing. Um, so, and and dude, the, the, what's what's even better about that is like, and Noah's one of our knitters, right? Yeah. Um, dude, he. He's making money going to college. He has no debt, no loans, no obligations to anyone other than to himself and his, his unit. Mm -hmm. 
excuse me, in his unit now, because of our discussions, he's in the Oregon National Guard Army Band. So he's no he's a jazz guitarist for the United States Army now. So that's which I he's think posting is just those amazing. videos Again, in uniform. That's what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's he's kind so of like sick. no. Yeah. No, and again, it, and dude, the thing is, and, and this is what I love about him, man, to where he, he can go out and, and, you know, he's running an ultra marathon next month. Oh, God. Um, you know, in the Army physical fitness test, right, you're rated from like zero to 300. Noah's been, you know, on the extended scale since day one. You know, he grew up with me, and I was the guy that were, I've never spanked or hit my kids, but I would run the shit out of them, you know, yeah, <laughs> like right. get us tired, and then we kind of talk about it. So, Noah's been in great shape, great shape his entire life. Um, but he's, he's a stud, man. He's got this amazing mindset, um, a brilliant and very talented musician, and he's making the military work for him because essentially right now he's a professional musician, if you will. Yeah. You know? um, he's really found his niche, and, and he's running with the ball, and, and uh, it's pretty cool. You know, and, and, and I've had this conversation with my mom to where it's like, you know, if, if my son did to me what I did to you, I would punch him in the face. Because uh-uh. um, <laughs> you know? even like small trips, you know, I'm, it's one thing. You yeah. never really think about what can happen to you. I mean, you do, but you like, all right, I can mitigate it by, you know, doing X, Y, or Z. I can take care of, I can control the variables because I am a part of this environment. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's like, oh, well, shit, man. You know, the only thing I can relate to my son was me at that age is a dumbass, you know, and, <laughs> and good things are going to happen. We're just going to get lucky and get through it, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, but he, but again, he's, he's a different kid. And I think, you know, through our discussions, um, you know, as a father, it's kind of unique where, you know, the bumps and bruises that we went through as, as kids and, and young adults, um, my children don't know that. Yeah. Um, they've never experienced any of that. So I truly on some levels can't relate to their happiness, their security, their confidence and their safety, mm-hmm. you know, because they've always had that foundation and they've, they've only built from it where I think, you know, folks like me and you, we had that shit knocked out from under us and we had to recreate that wheel kind of on the fly, yeah. you know, uh, which turns out for some pretty cool fucking shit. But at the same time, there's better ways to go about business and, it's neat to see that occurring with, with my own children to where, again, kind of, you know, going back to the service side of it, I'll gladly take it on the chin so they don't have to, you know. Um, and it's a shared success now. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, again, it's just, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, I got, I'm tired. <laughs> Having kids in your 40s, I would recommend, but, like, <laughs> I wouldn't change it for the world, you know. Yeah. For sure. Dude, like Quinn, man. Quinn, dude, you should have seen it. You would have been fucking amazed. So, you know, Quinn's been working his ass off. So I do a kind of a a progressive format, if you will, for my kids. Uh, yeah. When they're five years old, I get them a BB gun. Um, you know, when they're 10, I get them a 22. At 13, we get a shotgun. And then a rifle when it's appropriate to the, the hunting seasons, right? Yeah. But from the day all my kids could walk, they were going out in the woods with me and sitting in tree stands with me and going hunting with me. I've always the same way I was raised, right? Just yeah. getting out and getting incorporated nature with them immersed in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, but so Quinn, right, really, he wanted to get a shotgun, but it's like, nah, brother, you're not 13. We got to earn this. We got to work for it. We got to work for it. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's busting his ass on his BB gun and, you know, from his BB gun, we had a pellet rifle, started 
getting it on with that. And then for his 10th birthday, he got a, uh, got him a little bolt gun, a little Ruger 22, mm-hmm. just shoot and shoot and shoot every fucking day. Right. Um, so, and, and for me with my kids and, and the same thing throughout the army, it's, 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 I went through, through like fancy schools and shit like that, if you will, but it's the fundamentals that make us, you know, great. If, you know, mastering the basics is, is what makes any athlete, hunter, soldier great at what we do. Yeah. And so Noah gets out, dude, and, and we're, we're dove hunting. You know, I, I brought the training rounds, taught him how to load it, reload it kind of on the fly. He was shooting my, my, my youth uh, 20 gauge that I got when I was 13, kind of breaking my own rules. Dude, first shot, boom, folds a dove. No uh, way. And he ended oh. up, yeah, dude, he got ended up getting, they, they weren't flying too good, but he got four dove, um, you know, within an hour the first morning. Uh, we went in, had breakfast, came back out, went turkey hunting, folded up a turkey like within 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Then the next day, I think he got three or four more dove and just incredibly proud of him, you know, just yeah. really cool. And, and him to see the look of almost amazement on his face when he was like, holy shit, it's, you know, he got it. He came up to me. He's like, it's the same as shooting my BB gun. It's no different. Yeah. Like, Absolutely, man. That's you know? so awesome. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was great, though. It was cool. So we'll get especially we'll get, with the kids. We'll get back into hunting in a second. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's totally fine. Um, so what did you 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 finished up and you came back stateside, and then yeah, you were you were you were stationed in California. What did you do at UC Davis? Yeah, I played a lot of Angry Bird. No, <laughs> so, I was the. Uh, so I was the, the senior military science instructor uh, for the the ROTC program at University of California Davis, mm-hmm. um, and then within that I was the instructor for record for the military conditioning program for the university. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we put together some stuff, and we we really had a great program there. Um, we had a good run, man. Where for me it was one of those things where. Again, the, the the textbook side of it and their the academics, um, I can't relate to those kids. I mean, a top ten public university. Yeah. I mean, every freshman that we had was a valedictorian from wherever they came from. They That's these insane. kids. I mean, they were brilliant on paper. I mean, they, they were kind of socially retarded at sometimes, but yeah. they were some of the, the most intelligent people I've ever been around in my entire life. Yeah. Um, Did you have the what beer? they lacked was kind. Of no, no. At that point, I was all clean shaven, and you know, it was, you know, I was more of a figurehead. But um, I had a dad crush on these kids, though, man. Like yeah. to where, again, like the academic side, I, I don't get it. I, you know, I know how to read, I know how to write, but what, what the fuck is, you know, the shit they're studying there is just insane, right? Yeah. This molecular biology shit and whatever. Good for them. I don't get it. Um, so I kind of brought the knuckle knuckle dragger aspect into their world, you know, and. Um, and and just really kind of help them kind of take a, just a small percentage of their academic academic drive and put it in their physical drive and these kids are are do their guaranteed success uh, throughout their military career they i guarantee that we're going to see you know 20 30 years from now half of these kids becoming general officers and 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 really making a difference in our in our military to where again the the way these kids think and the way they then started to move and then again taking that that dedicated focus of effort not only for the books but to put it into themselves yeah 
um, you really saw some incredible changes in their life, you know, um, you know, and it's one of those things to where, again, in military terms and stuff like that, it's even where I came from in special operations, special forces, mm-hmm. very rarely did we have a hundred percent of our company as studs, right? Yeah. Um, where a hundred percent of my cadets, I mean, there's some shit bags in there, uh, but they were fucking studs, um, yeah. you know, female men. It didn't matter, dude. Um, you know, they really got it on for a while and we're doing some good things. And I'm excited. You know, it's kind of one of those things you kind of kick back and watch it you grow. Know, uh, yeah, no, and it's neat. You know, it's really neat. I'm, 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 it was not the job I ever dreamed of. You know, it was the first time I was really kind of uh, in a position like that. You know, I yeah. grew up on the teams. Um, but, you know, even the people I served with, man, some of the greatest soldiers I, I met over 22 years. Um, but it was fun. It was a good time. You know, that's just so crazy. It's so crazy. Your entire military career, it's, it's so accomplished, you know, one thing after the next, after the next. And I mean, that was finishing out your career in the military was at UC Davis essentially, right? Yeah. Yeah. So kind of by design, you know, it was, uh, you know, I, I had a good run, you know, and it was one of those things where, um, so when I was when I was with CAG or Delta Force, whatever they call it, um, I was a heavy breacher, right? Mm-hmm. And when I left the unit, my intentions were to go back to selection um, to get you know become an operator and, and you know be on on the be with the guys, if you will. Um, you know, different mission set than the breachers, right? Yeah. And I got back and I went to um, our B two three, which is a commanders and extremist force. And, you know, right off the bat, I'm back in Iraq and dude, like, I think I was in, in country, maybe 10 hours. We were going in to do a sniper stay behind in Sadr City and I got in a helicopter crash. And so, um, it Wait, wasn't, you, you know, in a helicopter physical. Crash? Yeah, dude, it had one fall on my head, man. So, <laughs> um, and, but that's why I never went back to selection, you know? Uh-huh. Okay. But, you but. But, you know, it's, it, I don't know, it's one of those things. It, it was a fucked up night, man. Like, they, you know, it's, and that's where, again, this, this shit with me is, is somewhat seasonal sometimes because it, I got in the helicopter crash in October of, uh, you know, 2008. So a decade ago. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, what, it's frustrating because it's like, man, I've been having the same fucking, I don't know if you'd call it a nightmare or just dream anymore, but, it, you know. They, I was in. Uh, I ended up in like, like a casualty collection point, though. The dude um, in the helicopter with me was cut in half, um, you know, and I was just kind of fucking staggering around, all fucking loopy from getting bumped on the head. Yeah. And uh, you know, so you. you but I mean, that of, could have been you. You know what? That and that's. Well, yeah, that's where you kind of question reality from time to time. You know, like when your dreams are more vivid than your day. You know, it's kind of like, where the fuck am I, you know? Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it, it, you know, I don't, it, the helicopter crash was one thing, but what happened really was, you know, I think, you know, lacking any type of medical vernacular, my, you know, my, my brain was kind of scrambled from the bump and the, my ability to compartmentalize and process the different environments and situations that I was previously a part of, you just came fucking tumbling back at me, you know? Yeah. Um, back then, and, and it have kind of left me in a, in a state where I, I continuously have to kind of um, 
I'm not going to say work through or, you know, but it's, you know, it, there were times where it was a challenge. Mm-hmm. So. so coming out, you got a big family. You ended up yeah. creating Warrior Woven. Yes. So what is Warrior Woven? What's the concept behind it? Um, yeah, I mean, so the concept is, is, is just kind of shedding it all, letting it go, man. No yeah. ego, uh, no, nothing. It's just like, and, and you know, that's the, the opening statement, you know, um, I destroyed and conquered, I killed and maimed. Yeah. Now I choose to create. And, and that's what I did. And to the point where I have nothing to prove, you know, um, and I, I don't say that with, you know, kind of like a fuck you flair to it, but no, you went I mean, from doing what you were doing to knitting. Right. Right. But I, I, but I did so in such a way because like, again, for me, I was, I was stuck in between surgeries. I was getting kind of, uh, some things fixed up, some shit cut out, you know, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was going nuts, dude. I mean, up until the point to where I taught myself how to knit, I was like a caged animal, you know? And now is that PTSD um, related or? See, I don't know. You know, again, yeah. I think a lot of it is, is, um, you know, I had 22 years of a, of a set regimen. You know, I think, yeah. you know, on, on some levels it was me being institutionalized on some levels it was, you know, the trauma from, from previous experiences. You know, I, I had a lot of, um, social anxieties as far as, you know, leaving my house and going out into public. And I truly believed at some point, you know, karma was going to find me and, I was always looking over my shoulder, always carrying a gun, always fucking, you know, sitting on the edge, just waiting for something to happen. Hobo patrol. You know? Yeah, but dude, then I got jumped by one of those fuckers, you know, like, holy oh, no shit, shit, man. Yeah, dude, I was, uh, uh, again, my stay-at-home dad mode, I had, I think I had my knitting bag with me, and that's probably what made me look like a soft target. <laughs> but uh, I took my kids to the park. Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> Dude, man. yeah, but I, I took my kids to the park and I do, I, you know, I carried my gun in my knitting bag. Yeah. And, uh, so it was middle of summer. I put, you know, I opened up the van, um, and you've seen my church van. Yep. So I, I put, you know, I buckle in Leo, I buckle in Zoe, I reach across the front seat and I start the car and then I, you know, unsling my bag and I, I throw it in the front seat. And, and as I'm starting to back my way out of the van, Dude, I get fucking kind of, I feel this shit on my back and I see these dirty little fucking fingernails tearing at my shirt, man. And so I posted up on the seat post and kind of launched myself out, landed flat on him, kicked the door shut, got up to my feet. And as he was coming up, I fucking stepped on his head mm-hmm. um, and put it down. I think, you know, I, at that point I was like, what the fuck? I look around, no one's around. I, I don't, I, well, one car drove away. Um, but you know, I take a selfie, not a selfie, but I take a picture of him, send it to Alicia, and I start to drive away. Um, I think I rolled him on the side because he wasn't breathing that well. But and so Alicia asked if he was if I killed him. I was like, I don't know. And so I pulled over and called nine one one and went back to him. And so, but those the cops were busting my balls, dude. They were giving me a hard time. Yeah. So it's a, and again, that's where it's like. California's strange, you know, and that's what I never fucking enjoyed about it to where like, dude, you leave your fucking house and you're a felon regardless of how good of a person you are. Yeah. The laws are so fucking backwards tricky out there. Yeah. 
Yeah, dude. And again, you get, you know, and, and, and don't get me wrong with cops, dude, but you know, just like anywhere you got assholes, but like the administrations that they support in California is what makes that is what gives the police officers out there a bad name, you know? Yeah. Uh, Cause they were going after me and next thing you know, the homeless parents of this fucking kid that I stepped on were suddenly concerned about their fucking homeless meth head child, you know, like what the fuck. Um, and I was being looked at, you know, as this threat to society because I was a, you know, combat wounded veteran. So, but we got out of that shit. Yeah. Got out of this. But yeah, so I mean, but again, it was kind of moments like that where, and it is, you know, population centric environments, crowded areas, living in fishbowls. I'm just not really good with, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's when we moved, why we moved to Nebraska. I think my nearest neighbor is like, no shit, five miles away, man. That's so cool. We're country with a K. Yeah. I pee outside. My wife doesn't yell at me for peeing on the toilet seat anymore. Yeah. I pee outside every time I have to urinate. It's amazing. Because it's so. okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dude, I went down and got my mail with a fucking towel around me. Yeah. Towel and cowboy boots. Yeah. Waved to my neighbor that did it by. So, but yeah, we're like uh, seven miles outside of the town on a dirt road. My God. So, it's a good so life, dude. You were in between surgeries. You started knitting. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. So knitting, right? <laughs> um, but it was one of those things too where knitting knitting came into play also because it was, um, again, coming to the realization, uh, you know, the, the unspoken casualties of, of this war are not only the, you know, not, not only the veterans, but our families, you know, um, I isolated myself from my, my parents, uh, from my brother, from my sister, from my aunts, from my uncles. Um, at the time it had almost been 10 years since I spoken to my mom and I grew up with my mother is a very artistic woman. Um, we grew up with her. She's in, she, she has always knit us sweaters and, and, and different things. And she's just a very, uh, very incredible person. And, um, you know, so that's where it's like, oh, I'm going to teach myself to knit cause maybe then you know, just kind of, you know, thinking to myself, maybe this will give me something to talk to my mom about. Yeah. And, um, and I did, you know, it got to the point where it's like, you know, I I called her up and it it was, it was a process, you know, because I think she was to go 10 years without speaking to a, a child. I mean, she had to mourn my loss, you know, she had to not, she never wrote me off, but she, she, um, she lost a child for 10 years, you know? Yeah. Um, and so knitting gave us this 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 angle to where we could speak about something that didn't have to do with anything but the here and now, you know? Uh, we didn't have to talk about the past. We didn't have to work through anything else. All we had to work through was the next stitch, the next problem, and she, by way of the telephone, was helping me do so. Yeah. Um, and then for me, just kind of thinking out loud and, and uh, being creative with her and, and collaborating on different thoughts and ideas um, you know, I, I finally was able to knit myself a hat. That was the the very first goal. Yeah. And as I'm doing that, our relationships improving, my body's healing, my mind's coming back together. Um, at that point, my speech was very slurred. When I walked, it was kind of like I wa- you know, I looked probably drunk. I think. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure what the Mister Wizard side of the, the left and right brain and the hand movement and eye coordination, but, but it was fucking magic. What was happening in my life, right? 
from and so I just kind of of all things it was yeah dude and um and that's where I call out these these bullshit fucking organizations and stuff man to where it's like we don't need hundreds and thousands and millions of dollars dude we just need someone that's not gonna bullshit us you know and yeah anyways uh, getting back to knitting um (laughs) you know I had sorry, dude. I had this moment of like, just like, you know what, dude? I'm gonna knit. I, my my honest goal, like between me and you and like the the two listeners, right? Mm-hmm. Um, was I wanted to knit all of my friends on Facebook a fucking hat. That was my goal, right? And then and what the the goal was was I'm gonna knit these meanies. They weren't meanies yet. I'm gonna knit a hat because it was a pretty cool little hat, right? Yeah. And it was helping me, and it's gonna help you, and I'm gonna give you something from the matrix because i miss all of you i miss my family i miss my friends i wanted to reconnect on a very real level you know um not just liking a picture or some bullshit like that yeah and it it, it, dude it caught on like wildfire i mean like kids i went to high school with a hundred i think i ended up knitting like a hundred over a hundred hats in in about a month Uh which is you know again it's Someone knitting a hundred hats in a month. I mean, there's something wrong with my head in that sense too, you know. But, anyways, but that's your drive, dude, man. But it was, oh, dude, I was so jive though. I mean, it was just, it was just amazing, right? And in the in the end state, but I'm not a very good businessman because uh, what I wanted to do was take the proceeds and donate them to Camp Kasem, which is uh, uh, this organization that puts on this uh, no expense cost for kids whose family members have gone through. Uh, cancer moms and dads and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and my children have been going to this since alicia first was diagnosed back in 2006 five 2005 um and it it, dude it's just so humbling and i've never had the financial means to give back a fraction of what they have given to me and my children and alicia and our family right um but i ended up spending a lot more money on yarn and made a a donation that wasn't as big as I wanted it to be, but it was still like, it was cool. Right. Yeah. And so that's where at that point, um, you know, warrior woven came about in meanies, which was actually coined by an old army buddy, uh, who uh, saw a picture of uh, Zoe wearing one of the hats I knit and she didn't have a very happy face on. <laughs> so he's like, why don't you just call it meanies? You know? So, um, that's where meanies came from. But, Warrior Woven, dude, it was like, again, it was like, I wanted, I wanted folks that were where, where I was, because I'm no different than any of us. Mm-hmm. I wanted them to know that through a creative process, they could find center. And it, it didn't matter if it was knitting or, or basket weaving or carving or, or wrenching or whatever it was, but to just start, start something and make it yours and, yeah. and turn it into I mean, it, it, it turn it into your life, you know? Um, and it's as ridiculous as that is where I can, I, I took a ball of yarn for $5 and 90 cents and turned it in to a life mission to where like, you know, I, I, we had some pretty incredible, um, contacts with folks where we did a retreat, right. And we brought folks out to the ranch and, and, you know, like Brian and a couple other guys, Brian is raised the black, yeah. um, taught him how to knit a meanie man. And, and here we are these knuckle dragon tattooed savages <laughs> sitting around crying and knitting, man, you know, just working through shit yeah. and having just a very real and genuine conversation about the different things that we experienced over the past, you know, a couple decades and, and how it, how it manifested or I don't know if it manifested, what's the word, 
just festered, I think, at that level. It, it just kind of sat inside of us because, you know, we felt that we had to be a certain way. Yeah. We felt that we had to be this, you know, maintain this tough guy bullshit bravado, you know. And again, it, for, for me, it was just demonstrating that knitting is just one facet of so many different things. That are um, possible. In my life. Yeah, no. Yeah. And, it, and it, this is, <clears throat> excuse me, everything that I have in my life is because of knitting and, and through knitting, you know, like even something like going back and hunting again, shooting with my kids, yeah. being with my old man, you know, sitting around with my mom. I mean, just being as close as I am now, this is the closest I've lived uh, to my parents in 25 years, dude, you know, yeah. um, and having my children be close to their grandparents and, and so many things that we would have never had, you know, they would have had, um, I was a very loving father, but I wasn't happy. Yeah. Um, I was absent, but I was in the same room, you know. Checked out. I was out. trapped inside my head somewhere, dude. Gone, yeah. yeah. And this has brought me back, you know. Yeah, well, and, and, and uh, something you were pointing out, too, is when you were starting knitting and you were, you know, you said your mom was walking you through it. And in a sense, it was rebuilding yourself. You know what I oh, mean? Absolutely. Like, that's just so, the the powers that be or whatever you want to say that, like, can drive that force internally is that's just insanity to me you know and and to find oh. the release and the creation and then here you are sharing it with brian you know and and like you're saying you guys are you know knuckle dragon tattooed you know crazy guys and now you're sitting down knitting you know and i've witnessed it myself with you and and a couple other guys yeah the calmness that just comes you know what i mean so it's. Well, I, I, I just wanted to it, stop. It's and, cool, you know. Oh, sorry. No, no, you're good. Go ahead. Oh no, it's just it's um. You no, know, that's a big thing too. Is like you know, so. So when when I was in California, when I first got out, um, again because of the injuries, because of the lifestyle, dude, I was on, you know, seven or eight different prescription drugs, right? Um. And I took my pills as prescribed. I didn't party on them. I didn't abuse them. I didn't do any of that bullshit. But, dude, I was on a fucking crazy cocktail that wasn't really being overwatched by any type of medical professional. And so when I got out, a civilian provider was basically like, no, fuck you. You're not getting any of this. Yeah. And my body went fucking nuts. And I've, I've never considered myself to be a have an addictive personality. But, dude, I was in pain and I was fucking shaking and bad things were going on. And that's where you know, where I will kind of tip a hat to California at the time, their, their medical cannabis laws do that saved my fucking life. Mm -hmm. Um, but the problem with it was once I kind of was able to chill out and then through knitting, knitting is what calmed me, you know, uh, knitting is what replaced the Xanax and the sleeping pills and, and the bullshit, you know, and, and then I got to the point with cannabis where I was just pothead and I wasn't getting shit done. And but the beautiful thing about it <laughs> is that it's easier to step away from than a cup of coffee. Yeah. You know? um, so it's not for everyone. It's definitely not for me, like on a recreational level at all. Yeah. Um, but it, it, but it truly saved my life, you know, and, 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 and you know, that's a weird conversation to have because, you know, I grew up under Nancy Reagan and I guess she lied to us or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was just, again, just kind of a, a weird, you know, time and place where that was available. 
you know, there's power in it. Um, I was fortunate to have access to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but then once I didn't need it, I didn't need it, you know? Yeah. And then what maintains, if you will, because I'm, I'm still as fucked up as I was, you know, five years ago, but what chills me out, what kind of brings me to center every time is sitting down with my knitting needles, um, and just focusing on that individual stitch Yeah. and every stitch that I've created, which are probably close to a thousand meanies now. My only goal is to make that one stitch better than the last stitch. And that is all I focus on. And that yeah. is all I can worry about, you know, and, and, and then the magic that occurs within that, you know, through again, just having that dedicated effort of thought and time and isolation, um, more solitude than isolation, I should focus. say. Focus. Um, it's, it's, it's incredible, you know, I mean, problem you know, solution and, and problem i see solution. it with my children yeah. yeah dude i love it you know and and it is i, I think I, I have kind of uh the train wreck thing going on for me because <laughs> you know i don't look like a dude that knits i guess i don't know you know but <laughs> i can knit the shit out of the fucking meaning man so man those hands dude, i've seen those hands work dude you work those hands <laughs> i'm actually knitting right now so. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Crazy work. You know, and no, so, I dig it. I dig it. And some, something that I love, too, before we switch gears into hunting, something that I love, too, is like you have concepts for different meanies. You know what I mean? And, and uh, you know, I just I just got my fight back meanie. You know, I'd, I'd ordered two of them from you. And, uh, you know, it's, that's something that, that you and I have discussed and talked about and... and and all that kind of stuff, you know, and then, you know, the fighter to fighter, you have, you know, uh, all the different branches of service. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's, 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 I just think it's so awesome. You know what I mean? You, you have something for everybody, you know, and, and the fighter, to, the, not the fighter to fighter, the fight back meaning <clears throat> for me was, was huge. You know, because I understand yeah. it. I can relate to it. I've been through it. You know what I mean? And uh, I fully support the motivation, you know, and and what the vision is of it. You know, and it's, yeah. it's I mean, all, all, of the, all of the meanies, you know, I mean, I, I, I've given a couple away to, you know, different Marines and, and Army guys and so on and so forth and and uh when i explain the concept to everybody everybody's like what but then they like for whatever reason it clicks for them and they understand it right. and they get it you know and it's so uh you know and that's it's it's actually how you and i that's how we met you know because of uh why can't i think of her goddamn name right now um desert uh, yeah, Desiree introducing you and I together, being like, hey, this guy knits. Hey, you create colors and dye and, and fabric and textiles. You guys need to to link up, you know. And, and oh, dude, was, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and even then it was still, what, six, six, eight months before we actually ended up connecting in person and getting a face-to-face -face and, you know, talking and kind of hammering some things out. 
but right you know it's well you you don't take my it's personally thank god no <laughs> not no that's the last it, thing it, <laughs> well it, it's funny though dude because like i've had some like i guess big names if you will trying to get a hold of me yeah and they get pissed off it's like dude nothing personal man i just like i got six names to fucking remember in my own house man yeah you know like <laughs> it's just um yeah, you know, so I think I've missed opportunities, but I wasn't here for that shit anyways, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, and for me, it's it's kind of like, you know, with you and I hitting, man, it's like, dude, that makes everything worthwhile, dude. Yeah. And to think now, because, I mean, again, like, I'm not, even now, I don't consider myself like this knitter, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. dude, I'm learning shit from you every time I fucking turn around, you know, the different dyes, the different materials, the different fibers, and then through that continuing to kind of network and, and keep this loop as tight and close as I possibly can, yeah. you know, to where all of the fibers that we purchase now are from veteran owned companies or farms yeah. or ranches, right? Yeah. Dyes are coming straight from, from you. Right. It's just, and, and the, honestly, that's where I'm really geeking out, dude. Like <laughs> I didn't realize how good I was at finger painting. I love the wonderful world of color. <laughs> Dig it, but I'm with you, man. It's like I understand why Andy's always fucking smiling now. This shit, like, <laughs> don't tell my secret. <laughs> That's my secret. Yeah. Always tell people, man. Live, live in a world of vivid color, dude. Yeah, for sure. Hell yeah, dude. No, but it is. It's 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 really cool, you know. And and then at the same time, just like again, dude. I, you know, I mean, it, you know, if I wanted to make some money, the the, the mission. The concept is 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 is, is good. Mm-hmm. The message is powerful. Like yeah. I, you know, um, and I could ship this shit off to a private label and make a thousand hats and sell them, and you know, get serious about my social media uh, page. And it's serious in the sense to where like maintain one direction with a repeat, you know, mm-hmm. with the shit on repeat. Uh, but I don't. I this is what I like, and and this is kind of how I kind of manage my page where it's it's a narration of my moments that are scattered you know? yeah um it's a collection of just random thoughts that continue to push me in the same direction push us in the same direction you know yeah um i dig it you know again it, marketing business side of the house probably not a good idea um but i'm not really here for that you know i, I was able to to meet this one dude mark man and told me i saved his fucking life yeah you know, um, how, I mean, I, how, what do you do with that? You know, I just, that, that's what's so powerful and so incredible to where, you know, just us being able to be honest with each other, Yeah. you know, about the good times, the bad times, what are the fuck we, we work through and we're working through, man, just being able to relate on a very human level with each other yeah. is sometimes all we fucking need. And that's all, that's what makes the difference, you yeah. know, um, Especially with our vets, man. Like, again, I, I beat up the guys on their 22 shit, you know, because it pisses me off. Because, dude, I was sitting on the ledge, you know. No one fucking called me. Yeah. No one reached out to me. No fucking foundation did shit for me, you yeah. know. But these guys continue their same fucking mission statement. Can you collect fucking the revenue that they fucking justify for their salaries and pushing out new product? And, again, I'm just saying this from my own personal fucking story is yeah. I, I – I didn't even know who half of these fucking organizations were. Yeah. It shouldn't be our responsibility, the dudes that are in a pickle, to come find you, you know? Yeah. Um, and so anyways, that makes me a little bit bitter, and that's kind of why 
I formed uh, Warrior Woven as an LLC and not a 501c because it's okay to be for profit and we could still do cool shit and good things for each other and make mm-hmm. a couple bucks on the side, you know? Yeah. Um, Working as a team. And, and it, yeah, dude, again, it's like, it's, you know, full disclosure, everything, you know, if it comes up, it comes out. Um, it's, it's a discussion. It's not an argument. And we should be able to kind of bounce shit off each other, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. Yeah. Um, I'm just, sorry, I don't even know where I'm at right now, but it's okay. I just, yeah, it's, it's, um, I really like it, but you know, at at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, sometimes I just imagine that, well, you know, it's kind of like a storefront. These are the bullshit conversations I'd be having with people yeah. randomly throughout the day. You yeah. know, um, the product speaks for itself, you know, because it's one of those things where I'm not going to try to sell it to you or to anyone because the value in it is intris- intrinsic to you. Yeah. You know, it's somewhere along the line, somewhere in that the 1600 stitches that it takes to create, we connected, yeah. you know, like, dude, and it's spooky, right? Like before I met you, I knew the sound of your voice. Yeah. I knew you. Yeah. I never met you. You know? Yeah. And it's that level that I mean and, and it's this raw intensity that you can't you can't replicate this shit, you know? Yeah. Um and again, it's you're either there or you're not, and if you're not, you're not. No big deal. Good yeah. for you, you know. But if you are, we're there together, you know. Well, you know, and something something you pointed out, that guy coming up to you and, and saying that you saved his life, you know, and, and I can, I can relate to that on a, on a whole nother level. And, and I'll, I can relate it back to your, you know, fight back meanie in the sense that like, I have experience that ties directly into those 1600 stitches. And I share that story with other men. And because of my willingness and ability to share my story and my strength and my experience, and overcoming my problems, I have helped other men, other anybody, other people, you know, come through their problem, you know, and, and that's why, like, when you when you first told me the concept of it, I was like, sign me up, I need a bunch of them, like, you know, it's, because that's, you know what I mean, and, and then, I mean, even throw it in there, fighter to fighter, man, you know, person to person fighting through whatever the fuck they're fighting through and trying to figure it out and hash out the bullshit, you know what I mean, like, I have no idea what it's like to walk in another man's boots as they have no idea what it's like to walk in my boots, you know, and, and right. what goes on in all of our heads on any given day at any given time, you know, and it's, <sighs> it's just amazing, you know, and, and it's, and it's like you were saying, man, you're you're stitching that and you can someone can relate to the stitch right you know what i mean like that's well that's you said it so much better and so much more eloquently than i did so (laughs) but no i mean but it is it's i mean and it sounds cheesy right and but it's one stitch at a time man you know and it's like as long as i'm trying to improve this stitch and i continuously try to improve this one stitch, man, life is always going to get better. And and it doesn't have to be like keeping up with the Kardashians or any of that bullshit. Yeah. But, dude, it's it's the moments. It's the fucking minutes. It's seconds yeah. that make us who we are today, you know. Yeah. And, and and something powerful as that is like, you know, again, wh- you know, going, why am I ashamed of what some fucking monster did to me as a child? Yeah. Why, why did I for so long carry that burden? Right. Why, you know what I'm saying? 
And then to have, to be able to articulate that in such a way to where we can relate and we can talk about it and then we can include others on in this conversation. But it's that level of awareness, yeah. waking up, you know, the folks and the kids and, and the monsters and letting them know we're fucking onto their game, you know? Yeah. Um, the one thing where I, my, my only regret with the, the, the fight back mini are the colors, I think, because I was looking for a lot of, um, you know, a deeper meaning through the colors and I captured that, but at the same time, like part of me just wants to kind of like put on a flat black hat, you know, like, well, I'm kind of over the gun gunfighter shit, you know, yeah. because that was then and this is now. Yeah. And that that's more fight back meaning that I'm looking at going forward to to where like, fine, you can just wear it and it's a cool fucking hat and it's that fucking subtle, you know, you could do it where it doesn't have to. like real deep navies and black. I got some colors for you. Yeah, I get some midnight shit going on, you know, I because again, it's like we can talk about that. Right on, dude. Yeah. I can get the jet and it's going. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, no, but, you know, again, that's, uh, I think, you know, because at the same time, too, it goes back into these, uh, this, all I can relate to is my memories of my mom, you know, and, and mm-hmm. us going through these houses and um, being not dependent in a bad way, but having, and that's why I do the, the um, those in blue meaning, you know. Yeah. Um, regardless of the douchebag cops out there, dude, I will always love our police officers because those are the fucking first heroes I ever saw when I was a child. Those are the guys that took away a monster from our life that saved my mother, that saved my brother, that saved my sister. Yeah. And I will forever be grateful to our, our men and women in uniform because of the difference that they made in a child's life and my life. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so I wanted to reach out and I remember what, when, when my brother and I were victimized, it was because my mother had no money and had to work and put us in, you know, different situations that, you know, moms had to do, single parents had to do to kind of make ends meet. And that's when these predators come in and they go after kids like us mm-hmm. um, in, in our situation. Yeah. And, bad, it, you know, worse things happened after that. But I wanted to go to the source and go to the um, uh the, the shelters and, and teach some folks how to knit some meanies and give them an opportunity to generate some, uh, you know, an alternative form of income uh, to where it could be enough to where they didn't have to leave their kid's side. It could be enough to get them out of an abusive situation or it could be enough to get them a plane ticket or train ticket, whatever they needed to create some space. It, it could be enough. Yeah. And, and that's what's kind of disappointing in the sense to where, so many of us across the country now kind of have our hands out and rather than finding uh, opportunity through into their own productivity, um, uh, some of the folks that I was talking to just thought that I was going to sell a bunch of hats and give the proceeds to whoever, um, which was the plan anyways. But at the same time, the production was going to come from the ground up, you yeah. know, uh, and, and kind of like my bitch earlier, and I'm trying to be more delicate with these gals, where, you know, um, again, it's one thing to be victimized, but it's another thing to remain a victim. And that's what I kind of felt like was happening with some of them, to where they didn't want to do for themselves what they could. What they could. And I hope I'm being... I don't want to be a complete asshole about it, because, I mean, at the end of the day, it honestly pissed me off. You know, it was kind of like, holy shit. Um, I was kind of surprised. Yeah. But it, 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 it's, 
it's it's not fizzling, but it didn't take off in in the, in the direction that I was hoping for. I really wanted to make the difference for a lot of people, and I made the difference for a lot of people still on a different level. But I wanted to kind of really, you know, provided an opportunity that could have been a game changer for for some folks. You know, yeah, for more. And I still believe it is, but again, it's just kind of again time and place. You know, yeah, um, it's not going away. It's something I believe in. Yeah. Um, but what's scary about it, dude, is like shit comes out of the woodwork, right? And I've been contacted by a couple of random folks where former associates of mine were being accused of shit, man. Uh-huh. Uh, more on, you know, uh, violence towards women and shit like that. Yeah. So it really put me in a pickle with a couple people. And I just, you know, something like that, you know, I mean. Makes it difficult. It does, you know, and, and you know, I, I think the the hashtag Me Too thing really did a number on folks that were, were truly victimized. It turned into all of a sudden now you're checking out a chick's ass and that's harassment and hashtag Me Too. You know, you had some creepy dude at a bar hit on you. Um, and in the mix were some some people that really went through some shit, but it was kind of marginalized because of, um, you know, everyone that was jumping on board with that and that and was having around, way too much yeah. fun with it. Oh dude, you know, it's, it's well, like, I mean, I made mockery of it, you know, I totally made mockery oh, of me it, too. you know, I mean, it's, oh. and it was, I can't remember who originally posted it, but it just had me laugh at my ass off because it was like, you know, anyone over the age of 30 or over the age of 35 that had an original phone in their home, when they look at a hashtag, they don't see a hashtag, they see a pound. So <laughs> the entire sexual harassment movement of hashtag me too, actually for a lot of society that's over, say, the age of 35, really just looked like pound me too. Right. Let's think about that. Up in Hollywood jumping on board with that bullshit, you know, especially yeah. when you have people in the skin all of a sudden saying I was victimized but it's like well wait you're having sex on film like yeah explain this to me you know I I think it kind of muddied the waters a little bit and and again there were like folks that really went through some shit that were caught in the middle middle of that crossfire you know yeah um, and that's where it's like well no fuck you man because you know it's not gonna be hashtag me too it's gonna be we're fucking coming after you you yeah. know it's we're, we're done taking it on the chin. We're done being silent about it. We're done, you know, just sitting here and allowing shit to go on to where I'm not going to dwell on it anymore, but I'm going to fucking do what's right. You know, yeah. what's right is um, for me drawing attention to it, outing the predators, fucking uh, bringing, putting a name to the face. Yeah. You know, not just this random finger waving in the air. It was like, no, this is the point of, you know, origination. This is where it occurred. This is who did it, and yeah. this is what we're doing now. Yeah, you know, uh, it was a much more militant stance. But again, I think um, I don't know. Didn't I mean it's still there. We'll see what happens. So. <laughs> right. You might want to edit all this shit out. Uh, I might not though. Oh, we'll talk. Yeah. About right. Right. <laughs> oh, I don't care. Um. So let's switch gears after all of this traumatic yes. shit. Um, right, right. For I know, right? Let's fucking 
Let's lighten it up really quick. I'm going to ask you a dead eye question. All right. Here's a dead eye yes, question. Sir. If both of your hands were cut off and you could replace you could replace or you could attach an object to each arm what would you attach to your left and your right arm i would put a shotgun on my left arm and a chainsaw on my right arm <laughs> yes <laughs> i'm so ready for that bring it back <laughs> Um, so you're a hunter, right? I am. And that's something that you and I have also connected over as well as dye and knitting and yarns and fabrics. We're over here, we're over here yarning. So where did you get your start into hunting? Like who was your influencer? Oh, my dad, my dad was, um, you know, first time he took me hunting, I think I was five or six, Mm -hmm. uh, Western New York. And um, he got a doe with his freaking 870, which is my 870. I think I did a post on it a while back. Yeah. Um, but that was my dad's gun. So, you know, bird barrel 870, and he freaking shoots this, you know, slug out of it, takes the top of a freaking doe's head off, and I'm standing there with my BB gun just kind of trying not to throw up. Woo! But, yeah, right? Yeah. But, yeah, it was my dad. Um, I grew up going in the woods with my dad and my grandpa. Um, you know, Western New York. So a lot of shotgun hunting, didn't get into bow hunting when I was younger. Um, didn't get into bow hunting until I was in North Carolina actually. Um, but you know, whitetail, turkey, uh, plinking woodchucks in the fields, um, squirrel hunting. I, uh, did a little bit of trapping when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, just always out there, you know, just really, um, it was, it was a lot of fun, you know? Um, and so dad and grandpa, when I was older, I think I was 17 was the first time I really hunted a uh, big game. Well, not big game, but, you know, Western big game. Yeah. Uh, we went on a hunt up in the Wasatch, and I got a cow elk. Oh, really? And then, uh, yeah, a cow elk and a mule deer first hunt out in Utah. So what was that like? Let's talk about that. Oh, dude, it was awesome. So at the time, I was a senior in high school. And, and I we're broke talking my like, foot. what, 92? 92 well 91 91 um all of 91 i know right tell your mom i said hi i was six (laughs) i will i know (laughs) 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 anyways i was uh um i played soccer right i grew up playing soccer and shit and i broke my foot Mm -hmm. and so i had this big purple cast on and uh, they, they took me up, and I could barely get up the side of the mountain, got up there, and they just sat me down. Uh-huh. And then they went and uh, continued to push over the ridge. A couple minutes later, um, uh, the, the elk had a cow tag. So the elk comes out of the woods and had a seven mag, lined it up, fucking took a shot, and dropped it for a shot. And I was so proud of myself and so excited. I jumped up and started to run towards the elk, and I forgot I had a cast on my foot and ended up falling down half the mountain. No so, way. <laughs> yeah. On the boss, I didn't come up, man. Oh, dude, yeah, it was unforgiving. Um, so I got to the cow elk, and you know, dude, that's like a tauntaun, that's a big fucking animal, yeah. I'm saying, and uh, so the guy, you know, it was a guided hunt, the dude's helping us, uh, you know, carve it up and, and field dress it. And again, I'm 17, and at that point, uh, two yearlings come running out of the woods, and uh, I'm like, holy shit, and he starts explaining to me. That, yeah, you know, 
uh, well, one was a calf, one was a yearling or something like that. And as I turn around, he sprays me in the face with some of the milk from the tip. So I, I think I actually threw up after that. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I got over it. Um, and then, you know, the same thing, you know, uh, at that point, I, 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 they sat me down some other ridge, um, and I got a three by uh, muley deer, mule uh-huh. deer, and then that was a little bit more graceful than the elk, at least. And yeah. uh, great hunt, but you know, it was a trip that my grandfather put together. Um, my dad's the oldest of five, so him and his his brothers, four brothers, so the five boys, my grandpa, and um, myself, mm-hmm. all spent a week up in the woods, up in a. Uh, just an amazing trip, you know, memories that, you know, I still share with my kids and still talk to my dad about, you know, just, um, you know, once in a lifetime type of opportunity, you know, and uh, yeah. just lucky to be a part of it, you know. Yeah. And it was neat. And then, you know, from there, um, my folks didn't move to Colorado until I was in the Army and, and things have already started to get a little complicated, you know, so I didn't do a whole lot of hunting out west and... um in those years. Um, I, yeah, no. Um, so a lot of, you know, deer hunting in, in North Carolina uh, when I was home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, California was tough, man, when I moved there. Yeah. Um, we went to a point where people thought I was a vegetarian, man, where once I got through all my game, like, I, I, I won't buy store-bought meat. I fucking think it's disgusting. I can um, relate to that. And it's... And it's the pr- way it's processed. It's not the meat itself. I think steak's delicious, but only when it's coming off of my rack, you know? Yeah. Um, but so I, I wasn't hunting out, out in California. You know, a lot of the private land shit and the hunting lands and the way the, the rules and the regulations are, it was pretty, con- uh, you know, confusing, you know, going from what I knew in North Carolina for, you know, 15 years of hunting. Um, so I did one or two seasons of Dove, but it was pretty much done dude like guns collected dust didn't do much range time didn't do much shit um until last year and that's when i got that bull elk um my dad brought me out to colorado and uh went hunting at his ranch he's got a ranch down down south uh-huh. um and i got a big old bull out of there last year and uh been on it ever since man so yeah that was a really nice kind of bull skip- you got last year yeah, no, it was great, dude. And, and, and again, it's just, it's 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 cool to go, you know, you know, just out with your old man. I mean, that's yeah. some. It's pretty cool when you get to the point in life to where it's like, hey, I can demonstrate to you now that I listened. You know, <laughs> um, that that My dad you made a difference. I didn't life. listen. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, you'll get there. I, I, I kind of I'm a late bloomer. I was forty. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. But no, but it is cool, you know, to kind of have that, you know, you know, I grew up with my dad, you know, doing that and, yeah. um, and I lost it for a little bit and that, that was hard, dude. That was really hard. And it wasn't just about keeping meat in the freezer, but it was about getting out in the woods with them, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, those random conversations, the long walks, um, you know, the, the stocks, I mean, that guy is amazing to this day. Like, I don't, I don't understand how he sees it and, but dude, he, he's kind of one with the land, if you will, and yeah. and I mean, he has us out maneuvering herds every fucking season. I can't you know? wait to meet him, um, dude. It, it's incredible. Yeah, we're going up there. I think 
uh, antelope and deer are the next ones. Yeah. But we'll get that straight, dude. Yeah. We got to get you out there. I think again, um, and we can talk on the side about that. But yeah. I mean, I, I have some plans with the direction I want to go. I think I might get serious about the whole branding thing, if you will. Yeah. So. Yeah. But just for, I mean, more outdoors and hunting, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um. But Absolutely. Right now, it's pretty warm for meanies. So, so. I know, right? I have a I have a stack. I'm looking at a stack of one, two, three, four, five, six, ten, ten meanies. And I no shit. Gotten, I dude, I haven't gotten to wear wear any of them. And and I'm <laughs> and I, I mean I think honestly there was you only gave I want to say you gave me two. You know, but not because like I'm only saying that because like dude I I'm not I'm not trying to get free product. You know, it's just. I order them right. from you because I believe in. You don't them. want to be a protein model for your woven. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't <laughs> know if you want these nasty teeth smiling around on your page and shit. <laughs> oh, dude, <laughs> yeah. that's what's frustrating about the online game, though. You know, it's like uh, I have to pay for bots and just Tit- to get any street cred anymore. You know? Tits and ass. Yeah, need some hot chick to. I mean, but dude, I mean, that's, again, this is where, like, sorry to change the subject, no. but this is where, if you look at any of the pictures I posted of the women that wear the meanies, yeah. dude, they're, they're, I don't know what they look like in person, but they're absolutely beautiful women, yeah. right? Yeah. And I don't know if it's the hat or if I don't know if it's them, because I don't, you know, again, in the fashion world, I don't know what happened, but I created something that perfectly frames their face, you know? Yeah. And I think it's one of those things to where it's kind of like, you know, the crumpled up, you know, shirt on the floor type thing. You know, yeah. it looks looks good on you, looks hot on them. And when your kid puts it on, it's cute. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, it's the magic of the man's shirt type of thing. But it's happening with, you know, meanies. You know, it's yeah. where it's like, you know, and, but I, I do like that though. But I mean, again, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, Alicia and I are kicking around kind of not like the cheesy, you know, yoga pants, stick your ass out type of fucking <laughs> model. But... Um, like contacting some of these gals and like no shit like Alicia flying out and doing a photo shoot you know and, yeah, well dude if any of it's just, in California man I'd be happy to take pictures for you oh hell yeah dude Save that'd money, be awesome you know? but it, I mean again, it's just one of those things where um, you know again it's 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 us you know what I'm saying it's like I don't want some fake ass shit wearing my, my product or yeah. my meanie you know it's like I, I want us to be wearing it, you know, and, and I think that's what would really, um, that's what is powerful when we capture images of no shit folks that can relate to each other. Yeah. You know, rocking one. Yeah. So I'm um, going to go back into hunting. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, I mean, is, is hunting for you at all? Is it meditative or spiritual? You know, has it helped you out? Absolutely. You know, it's, I was just thinking about that. It, it's, um, and I had to have a, a big talk with Dave about it. from a hunt too. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, we're very connected, you know, because, you know, it's for me, um, dude, it, it, it's a game changer when I have meat in the freezer for my family, mm-hmm. you know, um, I have healthy, clean meat in the freezer for my family. So there, there's a huge appreciation for what we harvest and how we harvest. Mm-hmm. Um, the animals, you know, yeah, and we had it. Where, you know, Gabe's first. You know, Gabe got a, a cow elk uh, this weekend, right? Yeah, I did. And and, it, 
and it was beautiful in the sense where when it, you know because we stalked him up this ridge line, got on top, got on a hill above him. It was about a 300 meter shot. Um, again, and I've I've been shooting with my son since he was five years old, right? Mm-hmm. So and this was his 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 time. Um, so there's the proud dad aspect of it, right? Right. But then at the same time, the appreciation of what we walked up or came up on, right? Two two cows sitting in the f- in the field overlooking um, this rocky, you know, kind of not a cliff, but this mesa, to where you know there were six yearlings running around, just being retards, um, playing, having fun, and then fucking a nasty old bull just fucking, you know, tearing up all the bushes. But dude, just the most picturesque setting you can imagine, yeah. right? Um, and you know, to be able to appreciate that. And to be able to kind of, you know, again, communicate with my sons to a level to where like, like, hey, you know, again, the purpose of this animal is is for us. Yeah. You know? um, we're, and we're doing it in the most responsible and respectful way possible. Yeah. And, and at the same time, we're still, still admiring and appreciating the sit, the, and, you know, the nature, the environment and, and everything that they're, they're, they're living amongst themselves. Yeah. But, you know, I got to eat. So it's what we do. Um, but, it, but it's cool, you know, in the sense to where, again, um, you know, we're not, we're not head hunting. We're not trophy hunting. Uh, we're truly filling the freezer for a family of seven. Yeah. Um, and and uh, for my son to have that ability to provide for his own family um, was, was uh, transformative. You know, I mean, you just – you saw the pride within him, you know, yeah. and then the conversation that come and, and, you know, and I think he had, um, it was challenging at first, you know, because he, he hit it on the first shot, hit it in the front quarter. Um, again, 300 yards, it was a good shot. Yeah. Um, you know, slightly off. So he wounded it and we had to put our stock on, you know, and as we're getting the stock on, uh, what kept giving away her position were the, the yearlings, right. Yeah. Kept trying to get back to mom. And that makes it hard, you know, because she didn't want to die, um, but we didn't want her to suffer. So, but during that, the whole learning process and, and to see, you know, the countless hunts that we put on in the past and, you know, for, for my son to get up front and follow the blood trail. And when he lost the blood trail, he'd get down and look for the broken blades of grass and we'd follow that up the ridge and, and we'd continue to kind of uh, pursue until we got close enough to where we, we kind of let her settle for a little bit. Um, then we got above her and he, and he, uh, he put the final shot in her. Yeah. Um, and again, just the, I think all said and done, we, we probably tracked her down, uh, without exaggerating, um, five miles mm-hmm. and completely smoked, drenched in sweat. And there was no quit in my son, you know? Um, and it was more of the responsibility to not let the animal suffer than it was anything else for him, which is pretty cool. Yeah, but and then we cut it up and we had some steaks and it was good. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. but no, I mean, again, it's it's this symbiotic relationship that we have with nature that I think a lot of people miss. And you know, I've heard it a lot of times where it's like, hey, well, you know, you can just go to the grocery store and get meat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. You know. Yeah. Good. Like no one has a clue where their food comes from anymore, and they feel that a slaughterhouse is more humane than taking an animal in the wild. Yeah, you know, and taking and an saving it, life yourself, wasting, fucking everything. Else. You know, it just again, it, it goes in the same ridiculousness as the fucking, you know, the the Second Amendment fucking 
argument and bullshit like that. Yeah. But see, that's where I get pissed off because like I'm kind of not what's expected either of the military side of the house where I'm kind of like, like, dude, if you don't hunt, what the fuck are you doing with guns? You know, like, yeah. you just want to kill people. Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? You know, like, yeah. And this is coming from a dude that fucking hunted more people than I have animals, you know, but fucking gun owners scare me. <laughs> right, though? Like, some of them are fucking crazy, dude. Well, I mean, and I think it's a fair conversation. It doesn't have to be an argument just to be like, hey, man, like, I got to get a driver's license to fucking drive a car. Why the fuck don't we need some type of, at least for hunters, we go through fucking formal training, 40 hours of training, right? Which includes range time. Granted, there's, you know, hookups along the way, if you will. But at the same time, like, for the most part, you know, you, you know, you have to fucking earn your right to get out, out there and get it on, right? Yeah. Totally. And, um, so, I mean, I, I feel more comfortable on a range with my fucking five-year-old than some of these crazy dudes. Right. So, so for you and the experience with your son, was that kind of, did it remind you at all of your, your hunt in the Wasatch? Oh, yeah. No, it was very similar, you know, and it was cool to where uh, not only was it him and I, but it was my dad now, too, you know? Yeah. So that extended chain, you know, to where, you know, my dad's my grandpa, or, you know, he replaced the grandpa out there with his son, and I got my little guy out there, you know? Was, yeah. um, but that's the way it should be, you know? I mean, again, this is this is what, and I don't mean to keep going off on tangents, but this is where, like, the fuckers that want to take our guns don't get is like, dude, I give a shit about my AR, but if you, if you try to take my dad's 70, like world war three is going to kick off, you know, <laughs> yeah. like it's, it's the heritage. It's, it's the traditions. It's, it's the way of life that, uh, very few of us anymore can really relate to because he, even in, you know, the, the gun, gun owner world, whatever we are, right. Yeah. Folks that, that don't have an issue with guns and, and handle and know how to handle them safely. Dude, like what? Five percent of us hunt, or maybe even less than that now. Than you know? That. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I think so it's somewhere around one percent, maybe. Dude, I think we've watched way too many seasons of The Walking Dead, dude. Like, yeah. everyone's ready to kill a fucking human, but no one wants to go out and kill a fucking deer. You know? Yeah. So, what uh, would you think is one of the biggest reasons you continue to hunt? Um. I think for me, I mean, a lot of it is just uh, the responsibility to my family. Um, the, you know, I, I, I truly believe in, in the, the meat that we harvest and what we eat and what I provide for them on the table, you yeah. know. Um, and not only in the cost savings measure, but at the same time, like, you know, just maybe I read, you know, Upton Sinclair, The Jungle, one too many times, but, you know, I drove by too many fucking feedlots. And, but to, to see the way food is, is processed to see where, you know, and again, I don't, it's not that I give two shit about cows and want to free them. I it just, I think it's a filthy practice the way it's handled. Yeah. Um, and I like my steaks, so I'd rather get out and get them. But it, it but it, with that too, I mean, I have the responsibility to my family. Um, for me, it's just, it's, it's just right. You know, it's just the way it should be and the way it is. As far as getting out in the woods and getting away from society, um, you know, focusing on, you know, just the basic fundamentals. I mean, every time I go through, every time I pull my rifle up, you know, I'm not really, 
I, I'm not thinking about my military training. I'm thinking about what my father told me when I was six. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm thinking about how my grandfather taught me how to, you know, tighten my pinky first and work my way up into my trigger finger so I can isolate it and not jerk it, you know, jerk the trigger, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's all these powerful memories that, that come flooding back every time I'm in a very different situation, but it's the same type of environment, you know? Um, I don't know. I just, I, I, dude, I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, mm -hmm. it's a challenge. It's a skill, you know, it's, and for me, it's no different than someone who golfs. You know, I, I have to work daily at maintaining proficiency. You know, yeah. that's not just getting better. That's just keeping what I have. I have to work at it every freaking day. Um, and it's a lifestyle, you know? Yeah. And, and what's cool is that, you know, now, again, I had the army that kind of fed that, you know, drive before as far as just, you know, I like to get on, get on the trigger. But now it's like, dude, I, I walk my fence line every morning and I, either grab my 22 and plink groundhogs or right now I'm carrying my 20 gauge and knocking down dove, you know, mm -hmm. um, and pheasant season's coming soon. So that's going to be a good time too. So, <laughs> right. But no, it's, 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 I don't know. I got to answer that your question with you. October 27th, I think. Come on out, man. I'll be in Colorado or I'll be in Utah. Dude, this fucking place, man. Wait till you see it, dude. Um, it was, Planted for like some natural habitat shit. I don't even know what, but we have like I call the Bermuda Triangle where they have five rows of different um, fruiting trees to bring in. Like, dude, we got antelope, deer, mule deer. Um, a moose came through the property not too long ago. No way. We got coyotes. We got pheasants. Dude, you name it. But what's great is the previous owners for the last like 20 years didn't believe in hunting. So yeah. no one's hunted this fucking chunk of so it is like Pristine. target rich, dude. Like yeah. target rich. And honestly, like I think I might just do um you know, you know, bird hunt is bird hunt, but for the bigger guys, I might just do bow, uh, just so I don't scare them away. Yeah. Um, because I'm already talking to a couple farmers and we're gonna put in a couple feed feed plots in the back um to kind of get them a little bit healthier. Yeah. You can't get much healthier than where I'm at. We got I'm surrounded by sorghum and corn and wheat. Um there are some fucking monsters out here. I've never seen herds of antelope as big as I have out here, dude. Really? I'm talking like, without exaggerating, 75 to 100. You oh, know, wow. just That's so awesome. Uh, it's, it, yeah. So, I mean, that's going to be fun, too. I'm thinking about getting a six uh, Creedmoor, man. Yeah. Have you ever hunt with that? I have not yet, no. No. Thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be a pretty we'll pretty amazing round. Yeah, and that that's my thing is I never geeked out on the ballistic side of it. You know, I hunt, I hunt my hunting guns were always hunting guns. You know, yeah. like I have a two seventy Winchester short that I've I've been running with for a long time, and and that, and that's that takes down just about everything. You know? I I geeked out um, with reloading here. I'm, for, go, go ahead. Oh, I'm, I'm just saying out where I'm at now. I'm going to need a little bit more reach. You know. Yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about the Creedmoor. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I geeked out with reloading and all that kind of stuff for a while. I shoot a thirty three seventy eight at 3,250 feet per second, you know, which gives yeah, me... Yeah, I saw that. Gives me 22 inches... Yeah, you did. It gives me 22 inches of drop at, like, I think maybe it's 21 and a half at 500 yards, which isn't much yeah. at all. 
<clears throat> and I think uh, they came out with the 28 Nozzler, which I'll probably end up switching over to because yeah. it's ballistically better than the 3378. Not by much, but it is. The drop is, is less. And, uh, you know, it's. I think my next two rifles will be a 28 Nozzler and a 6.5 Creedmoor. Right now? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty... I just got to convince myself to do it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I can window shop all day when it comes to, you know, buying something, dude, whatever. I shop at the thrift, thrift store. Yeah, when but it comes to actually like, blowing the load, it's, kind of, it's like, shit. Oh, dude, that's what's kind of funny. when If you look at some of the pictures from uh, this the weekend hunting trip, some, dude, some jackass sent me a message, and it was about, like, uh, camouflage and blah blah blah. I'm like motherfucker, dude. Just get up wind and stay behind a fucking tree. Team no you camo. Like, yeah, I know, dude. Like yeah. whatever, man. Like I don't know. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I, I guess we all have them, you know. Like um, on the tactical side in the military, we call them gear queers. You know, yeah. just like dudes just show up looking like RoboCop, you know. And I, I, I think most of our missions, like. I carried like fucking three mags and a power bar, you know, like so, slide into and I'm not the DM much and tell you how you need to do your fucking job. Yeah, dude. Right. But now it's, I don't know. It's, they got some Gucci shit out there though, man. But yeah. man, like I went to Cabela's today. Yeah. Cause I, I did, I, I kind of took it personally and I was like, ah, oh, I'll get a fucking pullover, you know? Yeah. And a uh, $169 for like a fucking, uh, I don't even know what the camouflage they call it now. Yeah, that, but it's all dude, like just go buy some kuyu, dude. Right, right. Yeah. That's some nice shit, though. I like what you got. It's nice. It's it's comfy. That's for sure. It keeps me warm. It keeps me dry. It keeps me happy. And if yeah. they've got it in solids too, so if you don't want camo, they've for sure got it in solids as well. Sure. Oh, so so you commented on my knife, right? Yeah. So you got to hear this story. Yeah. So I don't know if I ever see this. This is awesome. So the, the, I and I'll I'll, I'll I gotta find because that's a, it's a custom blade, right? Yeah, no, I've seen it. So I, when we hunted in uh, Cloverdale, you oh, had I brought it, it with you. That's right. Yeah, dude. So I was um, I was taking I was prescribed Ambien, right? Mm -hmm. And this is whenever I bought the knife. So over ten years ago, <laughs> I'm, I'm crunching on Ambien and weird shit's happening. I'm waking up with like. You know, fucking peanut butter spoons stuck to my forehead. I'm eating all the cereal, fucking putting on weight because I'm like eating so much at night. But mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I don't remember eating, but there's fucking chow on my bed every morning type shit. Yeah. So, and these are all like signs that, hey, like maybe Ambien's not the best thing for you. Um, but I didn't know. So, anyways, I ended up, I was a team sergeant and we went down to uh, Louisiana to do some training before we were about to deploy. And I fucking, uh, well, no, no, this is before that. But anyways, when we went down there, I took an Ambien, went to bed, and I woke up, and I ended up, like, fucking tearing down some 10-foot statue, right? Oh, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I had, like, this weird episode on it. Like, my whole team tried to choke me out and weird shit, and I was screaming about getting the head of Leonidas. And, and they thought, like, someone drove up to the statue with, like, a Humvee. And what they saw in the, the video... Uh, was like some fucking dudes, you know, drive up to it with a Humvee and stagger out and then like deadlift it out of the ground and the statue fell on me and then I got up and I kicked its head off. Or at least it was someone that looked like me because I have no recollection of it. But anyways, 
during the same time period, this fucking knife, the knife that you saw showed up in the mail, right? Yeah. And, you know, it was like fucking like $700 or some crazy shit. Oh my God. No fucking idea. <laughs> no, you know, I did. But I guess what was happening is I was getting on fucking like eBay and shit. And I was buying like, I bought like some weird juicer, um, <laughs> a couple antiques, and then this fucking amazing custom knife. And all we could put together was that the night before I, I purchased that knife, um, I was, uh, we watched Legends of the Fall and Best Glorious Bastard. Yeah, yeah, I love that movie. Yeah. And then I fucking got a kick ass knife. So, but dude, that thing was beautiful when we were fucking cleaning it up. Yeah. Like it. But it's a big blade. It's a there's a really big blade to work with, but it's fucking sharp as hell. Right. So, you and yeah. I went pig hunting this year. Uh, we took Sergio and Josh. Yeah, yeah. Out. Um, Sergio still working out. I, I heard he was a little butt hurt that an old man walked him into the ground. Yeah, I, you know, I talked to him the other day, and he is like gung-ho still smashing treadmill miles every day he's he's yeah, actually doing awesome. it which is yeah Good I mean, shit. That's, that's that's awesome that yeah <laughs> i'm just thinking back of that day and how exhausted they both were um, oh yeah not to pick on but you need to i think i think yeah i think i think they can take it too they they got thick skin um, okay. it's just so funny you know because like it's amazing that in that experience, it gave them the motivation and the willingness to work harder, train harder, and get into better shape so that the next time they hunt, it's easier for them. You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's, yeah. that's pretty neat. But So something I wanted to talk about was, so we all, we all got together Friday night, mm-hmm. and uh, you were teaching them knitting. Right. And, and for me, getting to watch that, you know, that was like uh, it was an experience for sure. You know what I mean? Because all three of you guys tranced out. You know what I mean? Like, right. You guys were I mean, you were there, but you you weren't there. You know what I mean? Like you guys just tranced out right. and just and, and you were knitting, which is the same thing that I I see when I take other vets out and I take guys out hunting. You know, for their first time, their second time, whatever time, it doesn't matter. You know, they just kind of, I don't want to say they trance out, but they just kind of like disappear, you know what I mean? Into like peace. And, right. And, right. and having that peace of mind of just chilling out and not, you know, jacked up in the head. Um, what was that? What was that experience like for you? You know what I mean? We, we kind of did the full spectrum of knitting, waking up early and then rolling into hunting. You know, what was that like for you? I mean, that, that's the perfection of it, you know, in the sense to where, again, it's not just the knitting. It's what it's everything else that it brings into your life. You know, yeah. uh, same thing, dude, if I didn't pick up those knitting needles, I wouldn't have met you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but that, that, that opportunity to sit there with Josh and Sergio to and again i'm dude i'm 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 very realistic about it it's fucking knitting you know what i'm saying yeah. if you want to give me a hard time give me a hard time i'm still gonna knit it's not gonna hurt my feelings but to to kind of get past the shit talking and the bullshit and to be in the middle of the silence mm-hmm. and to know that these guys are thinking the same way i thought or, or, or do think and that 
same magic that I'm finding, they're seeing, whether they continue it or not, for that moment, they get it, you know? I mean, even if they don't get it, they get it because, dude, they're so fucking, um, they're in a different place, you know? And it's, and it's a positive place to where you can, you know, at least for me, and what I try to get across to some folks is that, you know, I, you can be in the worst fucking position, you know, mentally, physically, wherever it is that you are, and then pick up some yarn and some knitting needles, and in two hours you create something beautiful, you yeah. know. And then throughout that negativity and and the hostility and the and that internal dialogue that's continuing continuing to beat you down, you're fucking getting further and further and further and further away from it. Again, one stitch at a time, right? Like, yeah. I don't know, and it, and it's cool, you know, and it, and. Again, like, dude, I I thought the whole world was going to be knitting by now, you know. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's right. like, uh, but but no, it, it was it was cool. And then to go out in the woods, and then yeah, like, kind of you get the best of both worlds, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it was cool. And and you saw it, um, you know, you, you saw it in Sergio to where the realization to where it's like, dude, I'm I'm getting my ass kicked just walking. Yeah, you know, like. You could you could see it in his face, you know, that I need to do something, and and that's that's awesome to hear that, you know, you've kind of flipped that switch for himself to where, you know, he's going to be able to walk better in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But you know, but it is. I mean, and it and it's, you know, just like anything, right? You turn on a TV and you see someone doing it, it looks easy, you know. It's like ah, oh, you see Andy scampering up and down these fucking hills like a, <laughs> a Billy. It's no big deal. And then you walk 10 feet and you can barely fucking breathe, you know? Fuck this. Um, but the dedication, the lifestyle that it takes to, to not only maintain but to get there in the first place yeah. is is what it's all about, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's cool to where, you know, I think what you did for us was huge, but what Sergio will get out of it the next time he comes around, that's where you're going to start seeing some real magic, I think, to where, I mean that's going to be some life-changing opportunity because if you think about it, he kind of missed out on it a little bit, you know, yeah. uh, because he wasn't physically where he thought he was anymore. You know, yeah. we all think we're 19 and then all of a sudden we get outside and we're like, holy shit, man. And <laughs> we're not. <laughs> My legs, right? Every no. time I look in the mirror, I get freaked out. Like, yeah. Oh. Right. So no, I, I think, no, but it was, it was awesome, dude. It was, I mean, what you're doing is, 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 is pretty, incredible you know yeah um and i think you're 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 bringing in the right people too you know um i don't know what you do and how you do it as far as your selection process goes but you know you know follow your posts and see the different folks that you're exposing to this um you know you can definitely you're not wasting anyone's time ever you know yeah um and it doesn't look like anyone's wasting your time yeah I appreciate which is even better that. thank you yeah. You know, I really appreciate that. No, it's it's good shit, man. Yeah. Again, it's kind of like knitting the hunt. What else are you gonna do when you're not hunting, though? Can't drink beer because you can't go out and shoot shit when you're drunk. Right. Might as well knit. Knit. I don't even drink anymore. Oh, really? So. Yeah, just kind of walked away from it. yeah, you know, I mean, I wasn't a heavy drinker, but I, you know, yeah, I never was drinking enough to my belly's getting bigger, you know. Yeah. So, no, I, you know, again, it just gets, you know, you get whether it's through hunting or whatever it is, you get to that point in life to where um, I don't want to miss out on anything. You yeah. Know? 
Yeah, I got a, I got a couple be, buddies right now who are in that same kind of boat. You know, I mean, I've been sober for 13, 13 you know, plus years. And uh, uh, so it's a little bit different circumstance for me, but a lot of buddies that I have are kind of coming into this stage of their life where they're like, I'm just really not interested in having fucking beers. You know? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And it's you interesting. You go there too without it, realize, you know, you can still have a really good time. Yeah. Even a better time. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. So what's your hunting plans for 2018? Yeah, 2018. Um, we got... So tomorrow morning I'll be hunting dove. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so uh, dove and pheasant are the big ones co- coming up next. Well, dove's, uh, dove opened a couple days ago when we were in Colorado. So dove's open. Pheasant opens in October. Um, I, I missed the draw for the tags on antelope uh, mm-hmm. this year for Nebraska, which kind of sucks. But, again, we're, we're doing right with our land, and, and nothing is going to push them out of it. Yeah. Um, I got deer hunt down in Colorado, antelope hunt down in Colorado coming up, mm-hmm. uh, deer season in Nebraska, mule deer, and then, uh, we're going to do a bear hunt too here pretty soon. That's awesome, man. So yeah, no, it's, and then kind of honestly, like whatever comes up now, it's, it's more like, you know, I, I, uh, we're in the process of, uh, we're buying some alpaca for the farm. Uh, we're getting a couple goats. Uh, we're we're starting a fiber farm. Um, we're gonna start by next year. All of the meanies that I create are gonna be with the yarn that we spin from the fleece that we shear from our own alpaca. Oh my god, um, that's awesome! Yeah, that we hand dye right. So yeah. it's just like whatever. Like, um, you know, and again, it's it's cool in the sense to where we're gonna set this up more. You know, we did the what we call the KTC a knitter training course. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna kind shipped that back here and then that's where you and i are going to have a serious conversation and, and then uh talk about incorporating kind of like what you did and for us in california mm-hmm. but um see if we can get something like that going out this way so yeah. it would be you know there's we're going to be getting some work done um you know in the afternoons but getting our hunt on early in the mornings later at night yeah and then at the same time we're, we're looking at structuring in a way to where we can uh, you know, see how we can incorporate not just the guys or gals, but you know, families coming out. Yeah. Um, where you don't have to hunt, and and again, you don't have to knit, but it's it's about you know, the time. It's about go. everything else. Everything. Yeah. It's just getting tradition. good people back. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, because I mean, you know, the deal. You go from the you know, you go from the fields to the grill. Um, you know, great conversations around a campfire, hanging out with good friends, meeting new friends. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And again, it's just, it's like, it's, shit like that needs to be shared, man. Because, I mean, it, it's getting harder and harder to come by opportunities like that. It's a like dying art form, man. The art of Dude, the story. It is, man. You know what I mean? The art of the tradition of life. You know, it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. We, we surround yeah, no, ourselves with fucking TVs and fucking zone out and don't talk to each other. You know what I mean? Instead right. of gazing into a firelight underneath the moon and the sky, talking to each other about the day and telling stories and, you know what I mean? The art of storytelling is so, it's it's like dying, man. It's retarded. Uh, oh, and you'll even see it. You know, we had, um, we had a, a tourist, if you will, kind of, you know, hitching a ride with us and, and we're sitting around 
having some some good talks and then you know daydreaming thinking out loud just getting some shit done and and then he's sitting over there fucking checking the status on facebook you know like what the fuck man yeah it's hard which means i mean i'm not saying that i'm not a Attached to my phone. Oh, like no. We're all tied to it. You know, that, that's the scary thing is like, it's right. not even like, it's, it's, it's these fucking algorithms that they took out of the, uh, the online gambling, uh, platforms and they, they incorporated them into social media, dude. Like dude, we're getting hooked, dude. dude not only that, Again, not only getting hooked, but now we're getting shadow banned. We're getting blocked. Oh, oh, we're getting, yeah. sh- we're well, getting dude, silenced. If- we're getting shut up. Like, yeah, the amount of Dude, things that's going anything, on against it is ridiculous. Yeah, well, no, and that's where again, I think there's a renaissance kind of you know percolating in the sense to where you know we're we're all sick of the fucking CNC perfection. We're sick of the cut and paste you know lifestyle. We want we want our reality back. Yeah, you know, I, I don't give a fuck that you have 400 friends on Facebook. I you know we want to know our neighbor. You know. Yeah. Uh, and I, and that hopefully we can do that in a, in a civilized manner, because again, the, the way it's going online is kind of frightening in the sense to where there really, you know, there really is no humanity any longer because of the, the artificial intelligence that they have writing the algorithm that's formulating the bots, that's generating the fucking drama and that's stirring the pot, you know? Yeah. It's like people are pissed off. Like anytime you get on the social media anymore, at least for me, it's like, you know, walking into someone's house where dad just slapped mom at the dinner table or something, you know, like yeah. something bad just happened. Yeah. Everyone's pissed. Nike. Right, dude? Like what the <laughs> fuck, man? Like that's just like and and that's the thing. Like, dude, I can, I can see both sides of the fence, you know. Yeah. I can see where all right, man. Yeah, there is institutional racism. There are the our administrations are fucked up, dude, but the yeah. people aren't, you know? Yeah. So let's fix administrations and this whole black and white shit, dude. I am fucking long over in the sense to where I am a first generation Polak, dude. What the fuck do I have to do with anything and you associating me with that shit because I'm white is fucking racist on that end, you yeah. know? And I'm not saying let's just forgive and forget, but a 10-year-old with a calculator could come up with a program that associates all the wealth gained from the fucking families that own slaves because it wasn't every fucking white American. Yeah. It was, you know, it's it's no different than it is now. It's the people with money that own the fucking people. Yeah. And let's go let's go to the source of the money. Let's fucking truly fucking hand out some uh, you know, re- retributions and let's get the fuck over this shit, you yeah. know? But it's, our problems are socioeconomic. The middle class has been eroded. And so the people with the money want us to believe that it's a race issue, you yeah. know? And don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not going to fucking Chicago anytime soon. <laughs> but, dude, like, you know, I, not, neither nor am I going to fucking Oakland or San Francisco. But I don't go there because of the fucking the junkies and the tweakers. It has nothing to do with the color of their fucking skin. Yeah. I mean, right. Chicago's insane, you know, but... No, I don't know. Again, it's Chicago's just like, out of control, dude. Like the, I mean, forever, dude. Like, yeah. Demographically, we we're safer in Iraq than we were Chicago. Yeah, it's insanity, know? man. And yeah, a, a lot dude. of people and, don't and, know or understand that that's even a reality of statistics. You know what I mean? You were right, safer right. in Iraq than you would be if you were in Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. That's. I mean, well, even now, dude. Look at what's happening to our cops, man. I yeah. mean. 
we're in the hundreds already of how many cops we've lost in the line of duty this year. Yeah. In the hundreds. I think we've lost, you know, three or four combat soldiers. Yeah. In combat, like against fucking terrorists, you know? But again, I think we're at that point and that's where it gets scary is because the, it's not that the barbarians are at the gates. The barbarians are inside the gates. Yeah. You know? The Trojan horse is already inside. Oh, dude. It's, you know? Yeah. Create space, thread the needle, get the fuck away from it. You know? And I don't know what else to do at this point. And that's where, you know, I wasn't freaking out, but I was like, I didn't see a good ending to the way a lot of the way a lot of things were going, you know, especially in California. Yeah. And again, it, it's not people. Every person I met was no different than me. You know, we were, yeah. we were nugging it, you know, fucking hand to mouth getting through the next month type yeah. of shit. You know, I mean, California, I, I was making a hundred thousand dollars a year and I could barely get by one every month, you know, yeah. and I have no debt. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't have credit cards. Yeah. I'm not irresponsible, but dude, I, every time I made a dollar, they took two. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so everyone's pissed off. Everyone's fucking trying to get through the day. And again, like rather than coming together, we continue to fucking allow the ruling class of our fucking society to fucking sink us further and further into a hole. Right. If I was 30, I'd start a revolution. <laughs> but too old for that shit now, so I moved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm starting a revolution, man, and it's it's called Keep Smiling. There you go, bro. Yeah. You know, but I mean, seriously, you think about it. Like, if we all just turned off our fucking phones, and granted, yeah, this is coming from a guy who has online fucking, re you know, both of us, you know, serve, <laughs> yeah, online uh, business. So, but uh, but <laughs> please turn off your fucking computers. You know, like, yeah, if we all did it, they would go away. You know, yeah. whoever they are it would subside because it's not like we can. It's not like we can assault Google, you know, like yeah. we, we can't, I mean, if we could, it'd be cool. But like, but if we all stopped using them, like, like, fuck you, man, we're done. Yeah. Like we're the first batch of fucking people when paint was invented and it had lead in it. Mm -hmm. Let's just hang out and wait for the lead free paint, you know? Yeah. The shit's that, that's not going to. Right. And it'll happen, no. dude. It'll happen. Just when. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Well, and that's where it's getting kind of frightening too. Where um, November is going to be kind of sketchy with the the elections, and then dude, 2020, 20, they're they're losing their fucking minds, dude. Yeah. If Trump is reelected, we're going to fucking civil war, dude. There's no stopping it, you know. Yeah. Like it, it is madness everywhere in this fucking country. It's fun to watch, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But like I said, I had to one tweaker jumping on my back was enough. I didn't need two. Yeah. But, but that's what, I don't know. Again, out here, like, you know, folks that, the poor people, if you will, are people with smaller houses. Yeah. Everyone works for what they have. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Whereas, you know, Cali, dude, fucking making low six figures and they section eight the house on my same street, you know? Yeah. So what's that dude's incentive to continue to work, you know, because it took me 22 years to afford the house that we lived in, mm -hmm. whereas he was broke and unemployed and, and got to move into the same home. Yeah. Know? I got section. So, yeah. And where's that money coming from? And how long is that money going to last? You know, yeah. it's definitely so, backwards. It's weird. Yeah. So, but, you know, again, it's things. 
Yeah, right. Go ahead. So now we're gonna take over the world. Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> uh, so all right. This is a hunting podcast. I know, dude. <laughs> the amount of tangents are priceless. You know, Anthony Sorry. is really good. No, hey man, Anthony is great with the hunting stuff. I'm. Huh. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm having fun. That's what I'm doing. I'm having fun and I'm fucking smiling. That's what I'm doing. Right? There you go. Um, I'll just like things in life. I just figure it out as I go. Yeah, right. Right. I'm learning. Learning. Um, so, dead eye question. We're gonna, I'm going to ask you another dead eye question. And, All right. Uh, you know, so. Okay. If you could be the lead female actor in any movie, what role would you be playing? Lead <laughs> female. I'd be. Oh wait, she wasn't a lead though. Whatever. Huh. Doesn't matter which character. I was gonna say I'd I'd be the the sister in uh, Little Big Man with Dustin Hoffman. Uh huh. That's a good. No movie. one touches her. Yeah. I'd be a big lesbian. <laughs> so, <laughs> wherever the big lesbian is that doesn't have to make out with a dude, that would be me. So, <laughs> so <laughs> either that or like a porno. If I was a chick, I'd be a total slut. Right. So, <laughs> so, Dude, I swear to God, every chick in America's on fucking Pornhub. Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, it's crazy. You should probably cut that out. This wouldn't be appropriate for children. Yeah. <laughs> or I won't. Yeah, right. Whatever. Do you have any concluding thoughts? I don't think so. I have a lot of thoughts, though. Like, where am I? What am what I doing? It? How did I get here? <laughs> Have you seen my car? Right. How can people look you yeah. up? Um, I don't know. Honestly, so I'm in the process of cleaning up the LLC for the company. Mm -hmm. um, and we got to kind of look at how we're going to restructure that. But right now, the best bet is uh, Instagram is pretty much the only social media platform I'm using. Yeah. I've had problems with Facebook because of the... Any hashtag that is like Americana or pro USA, and I'm not, you know, again, I'm, I'm sometimes vanilla, sometimes I have rants, I'm, I'm just kind of all over the place. But I think because of my pedigree and background, for whatever reason, dude, like I haven't been able to share my posts on on Facebook. Yeah. So I'm fucking over it. Shadow banning, um, dude. That's what I was talking about earlier. Yeah. Shadow I think banning so. and silencing. Even it, you're right, right. No, so it's like, uh, so I wasn't having a lot of luck with the, the, the post being shared on there. Um, so I just pretty much have stopped using Facebook. Um, so, But Instagram, even, so now I can't receive instant messages right now. Oh, wow. But then, yeah, so I don't know. Text me. You know, I don't know. <laughs> don't, don't call me because I don't answer. Right. Um, but no, our website's still up and running. I hate to plug that even because again, it. But it's worth checking out. You know, yeah. again, it's uh, warriorwoven.com. Um, 
you know, and, and it's one of those things. I mean, the products are one thing, but read the about us. Mm-hmm. I think that's where uh, my thoughts were collected. It's it's a good story about my wife and I, our family, uh, where we've been, where we're going, um, and kind of you know that's the true mission statement to the company. You know, yeah. Um, but you know, the hats are cool too. But the hats are the meanies, excuse me. But they're ever, you know, they're ever changing. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where. This entire thing has been um, a learning process, and I'm finally to the point to where I'm very comfortable with the materials and the dyes and everything that we're using. So I'm going to start to kind of dial that in, and um, you know, again, getting back to the the brand, if you will, because I hate using that term. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to start kind of. I'm not going to be. I'm. I'm not going to be uh, going in the hole on orders this year. So yeah. I'm going to be taking buy request items, you know, doing customs and then limited production releases. Um, you know, last year I had folks, some folks were waiting up to six months for their mini. Yeah. Uh, we got so buried in orders, which is good, but at the same time, like, um, no one should have to wait that long for anything. Difficult. You know, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, and I appreciate their patience and support. I think it's, it's been absolutely overwhelming and, and amazing. Right. But, I can do better, you know, so I want to, excuse me, I want to, you know, make sure that what we're selling on the website is in stock. And then, um, you know, again, really focusing on kind of like what you were saying earlier, like uh, putting more thought into the uh, creations that we are uh, making available, you know. Um, I recently, you know, uh, got a bunch of yarn from Dharma that I'll be dying and then um, I got a shit ton of amazing alpaca yarn from old homestead alpacas mm-hmm. again. And they're the, the folks that we used for Alicia's meaning last year, the breast cancer meaning. Yeah. Um, but this year I got them all undyed. So, um, I'm looking at doing, uh, a, a very unique collection, I think again, very limited production, but it'll be, you know, for the folks that are really kind of, you know, with us, you know, um, they'll be all about it. Yeah. And dude, like alpaca, like that's the thing. Like, and I don't, I'm not the guy that speaks of like luxurious items or anything like that, but this alpaca is like absolutely amazing. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Like, again, like even, you know, and, and, you know, the price and the money side of it, I, I'm not really comfortable with, but at the same time, for, for the effort that goes into it and the materials that we use, you can't find anything like this anywhere. Yeah. Um, and again, it's one of those things like I wouldn't buy one of them, but I would buy one for my wife mm-hmm. or I would buy one for my brother. It's, it's definitely kind of like where you're at with it. It's, it's, it's definitely a message and a gift that needs to be shared. You yeah, know? absolutely. Um, but it's cool. You know, again, so yeah, warriorwoven.com um, and then, you know, Instagram type stuff, you know, warrior, warrior underscore woven. Right on. Um, and then if you want to... Uh, do lunch sometime. Give me a call. <laughs> Whatever, man. Right, right on, Kevin. Well, dude, again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your life to come on and and talk with me. You know, it's a privilege for me to get to know you on you know a much deeper level than we already have in the hours that we've spent hanging out. You know, and and getting to learn a lot more about what you got going on and. Uh, Sweet, man. I appreciate it, dude. Thank you so much. 
You're welcome. Anytime, man. Right on. Thanks for tuning in to the show, folks. If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguide.co. You can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this, and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at the flip flop guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.